Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And so, as expected, many of the Red Tops this morning and the Irish Times has got at least two pages, maybe three pages, on the return of Kelly Harrington. Um, thousands lined the Dublin streets yesterday and all of the newspapers carried on the front page this morning. Well, most of them anyway. Certainly any of those uh, printed uh, in Dublin, which probably is the case with all newspapers now. Uh, she broke down in tears as the Olympic champion was given a hero's welcome on her return home yesterday. And she was on an open-top bus. And one stage she said it was weird to be the centre of attention. And then I saw some footage of her saying that that was the most amazing experience of her life. Uh, what was she looking forward to? A cup of tea. Which is quite interesting, actually, because there's a survey on tea in the papers this morning. More on that in a minute. Meanwhile, closer to home, Sunita Pospor is selling her own rowing boat that played such a big part in her career. Uh, she lives in Ballancolic, the great Sunita Pospor. And the Mirror this morning says uh, that the 39-year-old was forced to withdraw from the women's single skulls of the Games because she had been unwell for several days. And you need to be top physical form. Uh, to be rowing at that kind of speed and pulling that kind of weight. Uh, She says online and she tweeted, I'm selling my baby that gave me a few memorable wins. Anyone interested, direct message me for more details. So it's a rowing story as well, the other side of the country. Um, down here on Lee's side, one of the big talking points, and Seamus Whelan will be in the city this morning talking to uh, Corconians um, on our robot trees. I'll come back to this a little later on. It now turns out, I see from the website and the news feed, Tripe and Drasheen this morning, that City Council didn't actually pay uh, for the uh, actual robotic trees. Uh, but there will be uh, five of them. They'll be all over the city and there's mixed reaction to them. Yet another um, professor of chemistry at UCC has now come out. Um, This is John Sodo who says that they are are an advantage and only because they will have limited effect in terms of improving air quality. The air quality will only be improved in the particular spot that's using the sensor. Of course, what I've noticed with regards to the reaction to this online and the questions I've been asking and the texting I'm getting back in it is, why didn't they just plant more trees? Surely that would have been the sensible thing to do. So more on that uh, a little later on. Uh, and thank you to anybody that texted and got in touch with it. Nearly 300,000 children aged between 12 and 15, story in the Independent this morning, will be eligible for their jabs. And they're going to have evening and weekend clinics. There are 650 GPs on board. Many of the youngsters will go directly to the HSE vaccination centres. So they're really ramping this up for the 12 to 15 year olds. Um, And interestingly, as I try and accentuate the positive, if you are in favour of vaccines, you're among 75% of the adult population so far who've been fully vaccinated. Three quarters of the adult population in Ireland have been fully vaccinated and 82% have received the first dose and many are going for their second doses even as we speak. So um, you would think at this stage that COVID is not a big deal anymore. I mean, I'm not saying that people don't need to be careful and take personal responsibility, but over three quarters of the population, we used to talk about that as being way, way past herd immunity. But at this stage, um, I think that maybe we should be talking about other issues regarding our health service a little bit more, including the waiting lists, the lack of beds, the overcrowding, the pressure on frontline staff. And pandemic has exposed a lot of these longstanding issues at Irish hospitals that never went away. And they're back again with CUH at full capacity. If you see how he's going full pelt at the moment, actually. And a story in the Star this morning says that the long waiting list, lack of beds, overcrowding, um, 
as I say, without wanting to root myself, has not gone away. Uh, the papers also talk about other things that haven't gone away, regardless of, of COVID or coronavirus or what have you. And that, of course, is our housing crisis. Donna Colera makes the echo today. He's, he's, um, he describes it as grim reading. He's just picking up on the stats that we know of, the latest one from Daft, which saw almost a 10% increase in rents in Cork in the last year, 13% in the county in the last year, uh, which means now that the... Oh, and there's another trend as well, like the... The, the latest trend now is rent-a-room trends. Remember I was talking about that yesterday, that some landlords would prefer to rent by the room than rent a three-bedroom to a family because they can get more money for it. So the rent-a-room trend in Cork is showing that uh, the average cost of renting a single room in, a, in the city centre now is over €500 Euro a room. So that's up. A double room is closer to 600. So that's up as well. So it's only going one way, the arrow, and that's upwards. Um, the uh, investigation that the Guardi are currently undertaking, because uh, they never stopped investigating, they say, but they really have ramped up their investigation into the death of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. Um, interesting stories about that over the last uh, few weeks since the uh, two TV documentaries and indeed the West Cork podcast and what have you. But the, the star this morning uh, makes a very interesting claim about a man who um, went into a guard station and was interviewed by guards for something like three hours. He said that a particular woman told him about cleaning bloodied clothes. Um, and the star this morning says that that woman uh, was Jules Thomas. So it's a very interesting story regarding that this morning in the star because Jules Thomas, Jules Thomas tells the ex partner of Ian Bailey, she tells the star that this is total rubbish. Uh, I mean, it's so far-fetched, I can't take it on board. She said there weren't any bloody clothes anyway, she says. Um, the the story goes that the man who made the claims about uh, Jules Thomas, understand, for giving a three-hour interview to the Gardaí last week about this claim of washing bloody clothes. Uh, meanwhile, of course, um, papers just love anything to do with Ian Bailey these days. And they're saying that he's going on dates now with numerous women following his breakup with his partner, Miss Thompson. And she pretty much has said it's his life and he can do with it as he pleases. Um, other issues then regarding, uh, say, for instance, uh, individuals, of course, are Prince Andrew. And I'd say that was a very difficult dinner. Prince Andrew had dinner with the Queen last night, apparently. And then this bombshell lawsuit accusation of rape in the first degree was announced yesterday. Um, when um, he was with the Queen last night. I wonder what that conversation was like. But I see in the papers this morning, or sorry, on, on Sky News this morning, that the American legal team involved in Virginia Giuffre's, um uh, civil action against him are saying that Prince Andrew's legal teams have just stonewalled them for years. They don't respond to anything. They didn't respond to anything to do with the... Uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein inquiries or indeed Ghislaine Maxwell, they're just saying absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, back on Side, there's a lovely story regarding a racing pigeon. Now, this pigeon um, is, is from Drogheda in County Louth and it was sent over to France to race back to Drogheda in County Louth. It's a 650 kilometre race. It should have only taken hours. I don't know how many hours, 12 hours, something like that, 12, 14 hours. But apparently the weather when the bird... This racing pigeon, Lady Anne. The weather when it was leaving France wasn't the May West, apparently. Uh, and the bad weather made her fly off course and she missed Ireland and ended up off the West Coast. And she landed on a fishing boat nearly 300 kilometres off the West Coast of Ireland. And she stayed on board the Alana Riley, the fishing boat, for two weeks. Became quite tame, actually. Used to fly around the boat for a bit of exercise and land again. So the crew brought her back. It's a lovely story from LMFM Radio's 
uh, late lunch show from yesterday and she was reunited then uh, with her owner. She missed Ireland apparently, uh, flew to the south of England and then kept going west. She just kind of turned slightly more right. She'd have hit Cork or maybe Waterford, but it didn't happen. Should have taken 10 hours. Uh, but maybe, you know, we should think about more how pigeons can actually do this, actually. What kind of homing radar have they that they can get home to a coop in a house, you know, from, say, the west coast of France? And then Wally makes the newspapers also. Wally the Walrus, that's a story from the Star today, where uh, Seal Rescue Ireland are looking for a floating platform like a small pontoon so that Wally the walrus can be safe and have his snooze out of the water rather than jumping from boat to boat. So that's an interesting one that makes the star today. And I mentioned, I may well come back to this a little later on, but you know, I'd like to talk about different surveys and quirky things they talk about. Um, if you're having, if you've had a stressful day and you go home, what do you like to do when you crack in the door or you crack the key in the door and you go, that no, nobody mentions breaking open, open uh, the wine o'clock. Um, but the research says that a good old fashioned cup of tea is the way that people love to distress, de-stress most. I mean, tea can do an awful lot of things. You can drink tea when you're happy. You can drink tea when you're sad. You can drink tea when you're, um, you know, um, stressed or anxious. So it really is a, a wonder drink. But others then prefer to do some of the following, including um, childhood pastimes like colouring in. <laughs> I've had a stressful day. <laughs> you sit down at the kitchen table with crayons and you colour in little blank cartoons, stroking a pet uh, to calm you. There's others. Um, let me just blast through them for you. Some of the others include watering the plants, Weeding, <laughs> deleting phone photos, cracking open a can of beer. Where's the breaking into the bottle of wine gone? Online grocery shopping, plucking eyebrows, repetitive chores to let off steam like wiping down surfaces, <laughs> um, changing the bed sheets, cleaning the loo. I've had an awful stressful day. i got to go clean the loop. The Neil Prenderville Show. By the way, if you didn't know it and you want to improve your sex drive, according to The Sun today, eating curry helps, particularly if the curry has fenugreek. It's a wonder herb um, for increasing your sex drive, apparently. And speaking of sex, uh, Batman's boy wonder, uh, Robin, has now come out as bisexual, apparently. According to the Mail Today, Batman's boy Wonder Robin comes out as bisexual in the ongoing DC comic series of Batman and Robin. So there you know. Now you know. Uh, lines open at 1850 and 104, 106. You can pick up the phone and text 0868104106. Yesterday, uh, I caught up with Sarah off air. Uh, Sarah works uh, and has done for many years with uh, the homeless and works with a lot of the homeless groups and shelters uh, on Leaside. Um, so she knows the city very well and she knows many of the homeless people and she knows many of the volunteers. Uh, but she had a very frightening experience in the city uh, on Saturday night. Um, she went for a stroll. She tells the story herself, but she ended up on Mary Elms Bridge. Uh, caught up with her yesterday afternoon, as I say, uh, and I asked her to um, just tell me exactly what happened. An awful experience in the city of the weekend. I was at home all day, Neil, and I just... Um I was I felt a bit bored, so I said I'd go out for a while. So I went up to the city, and um, I was I went near the wrong by the Savoy because you know there's a homeless the homeless group was on, and I was chatting to a lot of people I know. And, and you've done a lot chat. of volunteering in the past with homeless groups. I did you? Neil yeah. a lot, and I actually love it, and yeah. I made great great friends. There's lovely people, 
people on the streets, yeah. people who have addictions, this and and they're great people. And I'm great. And uh, you know what? Um, I have great respect for people that I met on the street, and I'm glad I called them my friends. Absolutely, because you know? they all have stories, and a lot, a lot of them, a lot of them are do. addiction issues that they fell into. Yes, you yes, know, if we yes, could all wind the clock back, you know. But there you were anyway, yeah. just catching up with friends, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I stayed around by the Savoy for a while and chatting to people, as I said, and having a laugh and a joke, and then I decided, okay, where I go home, you know. So I headed towards um, Merchant's Key for my bus and I looked at the screen and it said 40 minutes I, I, I would have to have, I would have to have I waited around for 40 minutes for the bus so I went uh, I said I'll go for a little walk so I went over um, on the left hand side there I went up over the new the, the new bridge so Is I got that the Mary Ellum's walk bridge is it? Walking bridge um, Yeah just the new one there just you know just opposite um, we say by the bus station there yeah, yeah, Mary yeah. Elms, yeah. That yeah, one, yeah. yeah. Pedestrian Bridge, okay. Yeah, I can yeah. never remember the name the name of the, the bridge. But anyway, I went, up, I went up one side and I I turned to walk down around the other side. And um, a familiar person came towards me. And what, the next thing I knew was I was I received um, a full force punch into the face. Yes. Yeah. The person then, she continued to let me around the head with ferocious blows. That person knew, knows that I have extremely, very, very bad eyesight. Yeah. I'm extremely short-sighted. I have been since I was a child. Okay. And she she knew that. And the next thing, I was wearing glasses and she tore them, the, them up my face and she threw them into the river. See? Then she continued to beat me around the face because you're totally disorientated at this stage can't oh, see yeah. anything and then I couldn't see so what are you seeing like shadows and kind of uh, shadows and I couldn't make out who was in front of me all blurred I was, vision would be knocked yeah. knocked left right back forth I couldn't I, I had no coordination at all it's, it's one thing getting assaulted but it's even worse when you can't see I know I mean I have a very very high prescription I know I'm told, I'm on, I also have a condition in my eyes. My eyes are deteriorating very fast. Oh, dear. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I had another, my outdoor glasses in the bag, which I wasn't going to put on me because I know they would have ended up in the river also. But she had kept beating so I, on you anyway, had she? Oh, yeah. Continuously, giving me full force digs with her fist into the face, into the head. It was mostly to the back of my head, into my forehead. And it continued on. And I... I can I can still see a person in front of me, a man, a coloured person, and I just said, "Can you help me, please?" I said, "She's, can you just ring the guards?" I said, "She's killing me," you know. Yeah. But he walked away. I could see shadows around me. He just walked past. Yeah, they don't. Nobody, nobody helped me, you know. And every time I walked, I got a belt. And were you shouting, every "Please step- stop, stop, stop"? I was trying to get away from her. I didn't run or anything like that. I, I mean, I'm fifty-seven. Neil, this person is in her twenties. Yeah, you know, and she's a big. She she's like has a big build, and she's strong. Yeah, she's extremely you were also, strong. You're also younger than you, They're stronger all strong than you. At that but age, I think, you also know? took For you. Every took step you by I took, surprise. Neil, I was I, I was met with ferocious blows into the face. You know, and she had venom in her eyes. You know, she just, uh, you know, she just wanted to hurt me. So the next thing I know, she has her phone out in front of her face. She's recording me with one hand and punching me non-stop with the other and smirking 
as if she's going to get great satisfaction in sharing this. And are you yeah. on the are you on the ground at this stage? No, no, Neil, I wasn't on the ground. I managed to contain myself. I stumbled backwards many times. Jeez. And then one of you didn't end up I, on the river. Yeah, well, that was her intention. I'd say, Neil, that was her intention. But I got towards. I I, I tried to get away, and I tried to walk towards the first the end of the bridge. And the next thing, I saw two shadows coming around the corner, and it turned out to be one guy. I said, is that you? I wanted to mention his name. I said, is that you? And he said, are you okay? And I said, this person here, I said, can you help me? Can you ring the guards for me? You know, I said, just help me. So when she saw that, she said, like, um, only for them, she said, you'd be in the river. And I know she meant that. Every word of it. Your attacker said only for them coming along, I'd have thrown you in the river. I believe believe the people that came to your aid or saved you were actually homeless um, people that you knew through um, through your guys. The guys kind of wandered off, and the next thing I'm st- I stood there. I saw, I grabbed my glasses then from my bag, and I was trying to contain myself. And I saw my attacker running into the bus station, mm. running into the bus station. So the next thing I noticed, two lovely girls came to me, came to my aid, and they said, "Excuse me," they said, "We we we've just witnessed this," and I said, um, "I said thanks very much, thank you," and she said. I said, did you record it by any chance? And they said, look, we, we didn't because we were so shocked. We're actually numb from what we witnessed, what she did to you, you know? So they said, look, if you need us, there's no problem. We'll do, we'll do everything we can to help okay. you. Okay. I thought, it was two, um, I thought it was two homeless gentlemen that came along. Well, they, they went, they, they there was the two original. homeless gentlemen came first, but then there was two girls came on the scene. Gotcha. And did they call the guards? Did the guards arrive? Um, they called the guards. They, it turned out that they were from Switzerland. And really, really nice, helpful girls, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. So we phoned the guards, and I phoned the guards myself. They may have been the shocked guard- at what they saw. Unfortunately, we they, were, they, were, they couldn't believe it. We, we unfortunately hear far too much of it in Cork. Unfortunately. Yeah. And were you yes, bleeding? Exactly. They just they were, they were just speechless. Were you bleeding? I was. I was. I was trembling. Um. So I had rang the guards also, and I was telling them where I was. The next thing I rang my son to come down, and he did, and I rang my husband to come up. Um, it was just panic panic stations, Neil. It was just, I was terrified. I was really terrified. But we, I was glad no, that there was people on the scene, you know. Okay, were you injured? Were you bleeding? Were you cut? Um, I have a mark on my forehead, I my thumb, and um, there was a lot of marks. I have a lot of lumps and bumps on my head. On my head, Because uh, I think, you know, she was clever. She kept kind of hitting me, you know, where your hair is covering, like, to try to avoid your face too much. Mostly the blows were to the back of my head, side of my head, left and left and right of my head kind of thing. It was just slaps, blows, wallops, continuous, you know? God yeah. almighty, it's so yeah. bad. I mean, so, you know that um, you know that it's bad. I mean, you've been doing the work. Oh, yeah. You've been on the streets. Well, you've been volunteering. had absolutely no remorse. Absolutely a complete act of thuggery. Okay. Is the only way I can describe that. And um, are you going to do something about it with regards oh, yes. to assault? Yeah. Yeah. I am, of course. I am. I've already made a statement with the guards. Um, yeah. Neil. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I already made a statement with the guards. You yeah. see, so in, in, going, it's, an, it's an awful thing that happened to you. It really is terrible. It is. Um, but if, is, if you had said to me, me, if I had known you and you had said to me, or my son or my daughter, anybody had said to me, I'm going into town, it's around about eight o'clock on a sa- Sunday night, and I'm going to go for a walk across Mary Elms Bridge, I would have said, mm-hmm. forget about it, pal. Don't go near it. 
Yeah, because, I mean, in broad daylight. Yes, I know that it daylight. is. I know that it is. And I know that there are nice people that walk over and back it. And some of the homeless people there are very nice. I've seen them. Yeah, they I hang out together. Yeah, yeah, I know. But Many I've been over and back it enough times to know, and I've cycled and walked it to know that it's yeah. a dodgy enough place at the best of times because it, it, has, it has seating yeah. there and you get yeah. you get some bad pieces of work there. Oh, you do. I've seen them there. I've heard them there. And oh, yeah, many time I I waited there for the bus. Um, a lot of the homeless, um, you know, I often said in amongst them and chatting. And no, I know that, and has, a lot of them are lovely. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the place yeah. that I'd be sitting down having a sandwich at lunchtime myself. I know what you mean. Yeah, but there was there was hardly no one there. No, that night, the the, 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 the on the left hand side, the park well, where you there was like, there parts. was there was the person who attacked you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, and she, and also, she, I mean, in in one regard. You're kind of lucky because you have a home to go home to. You're you're yes. happy. You're comfortable. Yeah. You have a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't exactly. have any of those things, um, and if she does, she certainly isn't happy with her life. So, you know, you're. Well, I take. I tell you, Neil, it takes a very, very, a very, very sad person to attack. I'm in my late fifties now. Yeah, I know. I'm fifty-seven. That person is in her early twenties, in her twenties. Yeah. But I mean, if you were going to go and 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 attack a middle-aged woman, you can't be a very happy. And person. you could have done. I I could have. You know what? Some there could have been serious harm done to me, Neil. But that didn't bother her. She was out. She was out for damage that night. But you know what? As they say, God sees the truth and waits. I believe in it firmly. Right, and if well. you look for trouble, you get it. But look, I'm here to tell the tale, Neil. I'm I'm coming to terms with it. Thank God, it could have been a lot worse only for these two girls and the other two boys. That yes, but what about the people that wouldn't help? Well, what can you say, Neil? If it was me, if it was me. Now, I have been in position, in situations where or like I might see some a fight in town and it could get out of hand and I said, my God, this person is going to get serious yeah, hurt, seriously hurt here. What have you done? I will ring an ambulance. Will you try and stop it? I'm just asking the question. I remember talking about this on the air. We had a real debate on it yeah, some years back. I did. Do I people, did do people intervene? Like, I mean, there, partic- could be, there could be an altercation with homeless people. And I have said, listen, lads, stop, please. You're friends. Come on, get it together. You don't want to be arrested here now. Just stop. Yeah, that's fine. And they, but, and they did. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. also there could be two guys fighting who would turn on you. Could be a guy fighting oh, with a girl. They turn on you. Before you know that's it, there's the a thing. knife. There's two girls you fighting. you know, like... I'd know like who to avoid and maybe sometimes you have to take a step back and if you're going to do anything if this if an argument is going to get out of hand and you've done that having worked do, with the homeless yeah yeah, yeah yeah the best thing to do is like I mean if, if, if it's really getting out of hand and it's not going to stop I mean there's been stabbings in around the town and so on ring the guards ring an ambulance but don't I mean somebody could die on the streets from a head injury or something like that well absolutely anything could have happened to you do you think anything can happen yeah well listen I'm so sorry to hear that happen to you but thankfully you're home and safe and that you'll recover from the pain and the bruising Uh, do you think it's getting worse you you know having just finally before I let you go having worked on the streets and you're volunteering and will volunteer again is it getting better or worse oh a lot worse worse a lot worse Neil a lot worse a lot worse the numbers are rising Um. You know, the deaths amongst people that I know um, is is just very high. Heroin? People that I, yeah, yeah, heroin and uh, tablets and so on. It's it's frightening at this stage. And there's, there's very young people, you know, people that, you know, that I would have never seen on the streets before. So young. And I made friends. Yeah. It, yeah. And there's a shame, God, it's, it's very sad to see, them, to see them living like that. 
you know, and you're trying to talk to them. You know, there's, there's no winners in this game. Because they're in the grip there's of no something winners. that's very powerful. They are, mm. yeah, and some of them are at the point of no return. I know. They can't, they can't pull back from this, unfortunately. I know. I know. It's Listen, very, very sad. I know. Sorry to hear about it happened to you, but thanks for sharing yeah, the okay, story. Yeah, okay, I'll same. get there. All right, you okay. will. Look after yourself. I will. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04-106. Red. FM. And you can text 0868104106. Um, where do you start with Cork's robot trees? Well, I hear the latest now is that the trees themselves now have uh, their own Twitter handle, at Cork Robot Trees, and apparently it's a bit of fun, but you can talk to the trees and they'll text you back, they'll treat you back, ask them questions about stuff that they do. Uh, what do we know about them? Well, we'll get the inside track in a moment from Ellie O'Byrne from Tripe and Drasheen, but um, a lot of people commenting on it on our own Facebook, Twitter, and by text to this program. So they're 350,000 euro a year to maintain them. Um, they look like pallets, you know, stacks of, of pallets. They look furthest thing from a tree I ever saw. Um, it's very interesting because I've been reading articles on it this morning uh, where, uh, say, for instance, the Cork councillor Lorna Bogue is saying it's very interesting that we're spending money on these kind of contraptions while Glasgow uh, is planting trees and Madrid is planting an entire forest around the city. And that kind of backs up what an awful lot of people are saying by text as to if we want to fix the atmosphere in the city or the air quality in the city, why not plant more trees? Now, already two uh, different um, professors at UCC have come out to criticise these. Yesterday was Dean Venables at UCC. He's um, researcher in atmospheric, atmospheric chemistry. He's the man that originally called them a, a costly and ineffective gimmick. And I see another university college uh, professor of chemistry, John Sodow, come out this morning saying that they'll have limited effect in terms of uh, improving any air quality. It'll only improve the air quality in the particular spot uh, that they are actually placed. So by text, Mary says, oh, my God, what is wrong with these so-called brain boxes in City Hall? It's a stupid waste of time and money. Stephen says, oh, if only nature had an organism that was capable of doing this feat and readily available and didn't cost an obscene, stupid ass amount of money. Of course, that's being somewhat sarcastic. He's talking about trees. Waste of money. It's not like trees could do it better, but should they chop them down? Follow the money, Neil. Who benefited? Certainly not the tax pair. I think it was bought from a, a German company, apparently. The idea is they, they change the moss in it. They have these moss mats, which is moss grown in Germany that goes into them to filter the air uh, around them. Shelley says, surely there are more important things this money could have been used for, like the homeless, families struggling with loss of jobs, etc. Gloria says, oh my God, plant more trees. Give a local company the business of planting them and looking after them instead. These robotic trees will be used as climbing frames. Um, or And she's right, actually, in some regards, they do look like pallets. So therefore, maybe somebody might mistake them and light them for a bonfire. Uh, what a complete waste of money. Look at the amount of houses that can be done up for families. It's a bloody disgrace. Tripe and Rasheen actually are saying that we didn't even pay for them. We got some kind of a grant. Uh, they are fantastic, but it's such a waste of money. There's so many people homeless, out of work, can't afford food, and there's so many on housing lists also. That money could have been spent doing up some of the houses that are bordered up around the country. Uh, and there's reams of these, just, just one or two more. Complete waste of money. They'll only clear the air around the tree itself, if you could call it a tree. We'll have to take a deep breath of fresh air next to the robot tree, then run to the next one for another breath of fresh air. The money can be better spent on toilet facilities 
and more rubbish bins. And a final one for now. I'll come back to more of them later. I am so embarrassed for Cork City Council. Dumb and even dumber doesn't come close. They cut down the trees in our once beautiful city and then install robot ones. Businesses have closed. Many, many people are living on the streets of our thriving, our once thriving beautiful city. People are living in tents. A bloody tent. Penny dinners, Cork Simon are a breaking point and someone in City Hall decides to spend 350000 on robot trees. What a great idea. Well done. Round of applause, everybody. And there's reams of these. I, f- I find it impossible, actually, to find any text at all that's positive about it. Hedy O'Byrne is journalist with Tripod Machine on Side, and she's done all of the research into this. Joins me by phone. Ellie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks very much for having me. Wow, what a bombardment of text there. That was so interesting. And unfortunately, that's only a few of them, and they're all very negative. Let's shine some light on these robotic trees, shall we, Ellie? Where are they from? Well, so they're from Germany. So um, I suppose, uh, first, just to mention that I'm very, very lucky that I do like long-form writing for Type and Regime. So as far as I know, I'm the only person who's actually reached out to the company. So yesterday I spoke to Green City Solutions, who are based uh, near Berlin, and they were able to answer quite a lot of questions for me. So that's where they're based, Green City Solutions, and uh, they were very, very helpful. They try and have a very nice transparent policy, so that's where Cork City Council got them anyway. And what do they do? Okay, well, I mean, so they are... um, they are moss, so moss, as you might notice if you've ever walked through a cave or a mossy place in the forest or something like that, moss has this incredible capacity to to filter air. Uh, so uh, my understanding of it is that the, there are living moss walls inside behind that wooden panelling. I went in and had a look at them yesterday and that moss and then fans blow the air, the city street air towards the moss and the moss removes the particles from the air and also provides a cooling effect and can cool the air up to four degrees. Whether or not we need that in Cork City where it's normally pretty cool for most of the year, uh, I don't know if that remains to be and seen. You say on Tripentrachin this morning that this moss is grown on a farm in Germany and it's mm-hmm. suspended on mats behind the wooden lats. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like they're doing their very, very best to create what trees do naturally, I have to say. And then they have to renew the moss. Like there's nobody growing moss in Ireland, is there? No, they, they have to go to Germany for the moss as well. Uh, yes, they can send the moss back, I believe, and then it'll be restored and uh, revived. Normally, the moss just kind of like eats up any particles. I just want to correct one thing, though, and I, I think Cork City Council will be happy with me for doing this, this uh, because I think Cork City Council has been quite transparent, which has been really nice. I spoke to uh, David Joyce, the Director of Operations, yesterday. Cork City Council executives can sometimes be hard to reach, but he's been really good. So I'd hate to see him get too much of a ribbon because he's made himself very available. Um, I spoke to him yesterday. It's not 350000 per year. It's 350000 is the original investment. And then that includes a year of maintenance. And it'll be, he told me, a couple of thousand to maintain them a year. Okay. The Cork City Council have bought them outright. Okay, so while you've just mentioned the financial figures here, let me just don't jump ahead. They actually haven't paid for them, Cork City Council, No. No, and that's another thing, another area where I think it's quite interesting. A lot of people are saying, oh, this money could be better used for X, Y, or Z. 
And of course, I mean, as a person, I would be kind of probably in agreement with that myself. But as a journalist, I had to go and find out. And uh, so the National Transport Authority had this ring-fenced budget, but it was up to Cork City Council to make an application and they did apply specifically to buy these things. If they hadn't been given that grant to buy these things, okay. they wouldn't have been given that money, so they couldn't have spent it on okay. housing or so, any other type so of So just on this, the National Transport Authority yeah. had a, fi- a 55 million euro fund uh, yeah. as part of the COVID-19 stimulus package, I'm reading from Tripe and Trishin, and the 350,000 bill is footed by that. Did any other city or town or village in Ireland buy these robotic trees <laughs> besides us? No. <laughs> No, definitely not. And you know, I mean, I think one of the things—why are they silly or what? They just don't realise what they're missing out on. Well, I mean, I, what was very interesting is that the name City Tree is admitted. Like, this is admitted by the company to me. Is probably a bit of a bad PR move because it makes people think that they're trying to replace what trees do, and that's not their function. Now, whether or not they're particularly efficacious at what they do or whether or not we need them in Cork or whether or not they're purely a marketing platform for Cork City Council, a very expensive marketing platform because these things come with screens on them and uh, Cork City Council is planning on uh, advertising not only information about air quality but also other uh, achievements of theirs on these screens. So whether or not you want to see them as something that are genuinely going to improve life for people in Cork because they are going to improve our air quality or whether or not they're going to be used largely as a marketing platform, I'll leave that up to you to do. It's, it's not a very big screen. Is it suggesting that people would just stop by and stand in front of this small screen? Yep, that's true. I mean, I also asked, I'd be very uh, curious to know if as long as like the Cork City Council aren't going to be um, uh, having paid advertisers, third party advertisers on them, because I really think this that would double down on the kind of negative impact of people seeing these as a replacement for trees. Like, you know, trees in a city have really positive mental health benefits and stuff like that. yeah. They're they're real yeah. trees. Did I did I read somewhere on on your on your news page that these um, city robot tree does the work of two hundred seventy five real trees? No, what you read was a debunking of that. Oh, it doesn't. That one's been doing the rounds for a while. Um, that that comparison is not true. The what the moth does is take dust particles out of the air. That's but they must have a figure as to how many trees it replaces, do they not? Because it doesn't replace any trees, because trees don't do that. What trees do is they turn uh, carbon dioxide into oxygen, uh, but the city trees take particles of dust out of the air, which is something that a lot of trees are not good at doing. Okay, so this is air filtering. But yeah, two different, one a professor and the other a researcher at UCC have both come out. These are my words, not, not theirs. And they said they're pretty much useless. Well, I mean, they, I, the company admits that they are not effective beyond a certain range. Either. I mean, you have to be sitting down in front of them to be able to get the benefits of them. So they're not you know, they, you could see them as very expensive street furniture, if you want, or as a marketing tool for Cork City Council. Or, but you can't sit on them or sit around them or anything. Like, you can, yeah, yeah. There's seats. There, there, there's seating for seventy-five people on them. Deal. <laughs> are they, I gotta go. I'm going in at lunchtime today. Are they that big? Yeah. 
Yeah, they're enormous. And they have a kind of a bench all the way around the bottom. I just happened to be going past yesterday and I wanted to take pictures for that type of machine article I was writing. And they let me go right in and they said, oh, you can be the first person to sit down and take a selfie. So it's kind of like a big bench all the way around it. And inside that bench is a very complex thing, which is a water reservoir of rainwater that then there's sensors on the moss. You're not going to believe this. And when the moss gets dry, the sensors pump the water up, like the sensors trigger a pump and the water gets pumped. So these things actually use electricity as well. I, I mean, many, many people are saying that these are going to be vandalised or they'll break down. Do you remember on the keys there over on, is it Penrose Key? They put in a beautiful, beautiful uh, line of displays. These were, there was kind of like towers. There were audio towers and there were, you know, you could stand and listen to the sounds of Cork a hundred years ago. Are you aware of that? And it, it told you about yeah. all of the shipping and it told you about all of the passenger ferries that went in and out and the ships and stuff. Uh, and within a couple of years, they were broken and they were wrecked and now they've been discarded. Yeah, I mean, I think we see that all the time, don't we? That highly mechanised things that require a lot of servicing and maintenance and moving parts, like they tend to be relatively short-lived in the city. How long would you reckon we're going to see these around for? Any bets? A year, maybe? I mean, where are they going? A year before they're either wrecked, vandalised? Or... Where will they be? Sorry? Where will they actually be? I mean, you're saying one will be on, is it one, two on Patrick Street, Grand Parade? Where? There are three on Grand Parade, and so what? What we've actually bought, when I say we, I mean Cork City. What we've actually bought is five of these objects, and two of them are so-called premium city trees that have the screens in and stuff like that. And then we have three others. So what's going in is you'll see on Grand Parade uh, outside the sports equipment shop there, uh, the, or sorry on Patrick Street outside the sports equipment shop there, that there's one of those premium ones with the screen on it and two more. So there's three. They look a little bit like Daleks, I think. I've noticed other people saying that as well. And then on Grand Parade, uh, uh, close to the library, they're putting in two of them. And there's no issue with regards to them um, having Wi-Fi or, or, or Bluetooth or, or cameras or anything, you know, with regards to GDPR and things like that. They're not recording anything, are they? Being a natural paranoiac myself, as journalists tend to be, that was one of my first questions to the company. And they assured me that there aren't any inbuilt cameras or anything like that. I mean, I think the smart cities idea or the Internet of Things idea, maybe people get worried about things like surveillance and stuff like that. Well, say London has facial recognition cameras, for instance, everywhere now. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'm seeing that this is part of a smart city strategy for Cork. I think that would... Uh, kind of put the wind up some people but apparently all that these things are doing is monitoring uh, the air quality and the moss and how dry it is and those types of things and is not gathering your data at all. Okay. It's interesting to hear that Glasgow is uh, is planting trees and Madrid is building a forest around it. Um, uh, also, I hear we have a trees officer on side. is that right? Just appointed at a salary between 50 and 70 grand. Is that fact? Yes. Yeah, and this has been a long time coming. I, I can't remember. I think it's over a year since the since that budget was ring fenced, so that court could have a trees officer. So, I mean, hopefully that uh, brings a lot of positivity about what's going to happen for actual trees, because you know, I mean, Cork City, we we don't always necessarily do trees on public space 
particularly well. So, um, yeah, apparently, I mean, we were told, Trident Regime were told that, um, that it would be in late September that this trees officer would begin working. But I believe that Dan Boyle uh, said on Twitter yesterday that it would be next week. I don't know which of those it is. Okay. Uh, you're, you're not surprised by the negative reaction from people, though, with regards to even if it is a one-off cost of 350000 that it could have been better well spent. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, personally, of course. Yeah. I mean, it was my first response as well, because when you hear that something is a city tree and then you see this thing, you think it's kind of a mockery of what trees are supposed to do in a city. And of course, we have so many problems that need dealing with. 350,000 would would be brilliant anywhere. I mean, I, I suppose that the one area of concern that when I was writing this, so we have a long readout this morning that's everything I found out about these city trees. Um, and it's up on our website from this morning. But one of the things that was most interesting to me, and this is a cause of concern, is that questions I saw online about what evidence basis Cork City Council used before they decided to spend this money. And when I asked that question to David Joyce, he said they relied on a report that was basically given to them by the company itself about how how effective these these things are. Oh my God, really? Is that all? Yeah, and the company doesn't have a life cycle analysis. You know, if you're making a big thing that's supposed to be good for the environment, you need a scientific way of proving that it's good for the environment. But the company doesn't have a life cycle analysis of these machines yet. So Cork City Council didn't get one of those either. All they did was rely on what the company who made them told them? It looks to me like they thought it was a lovely idea and stuff like that, but they don't have, as far as I can make out, any evidence basis other than the figures provided to them by the company itself as to how effective these things are. And to me, that's a bit of a question then when it comes to spending public money. No matter where the public money comes from, whether it's the local budget or the national budget, you know, you'd want a bit more of a solid... Yes, but even a national budget comes from taxpayers' money and many people will be critical about that. I mean, okay, maybe if you say it it was a 55 million fund that was announced... What was the rest yeah. of that fund spent on, I wonder, you know? It's another question. Yeah, well, other infrastructural things. I think there's a list. Oliver Moran um, is normally good for that kind of thing, the, the city councillor. So I think he has a list of other things. That yeah, spent yeah. On. well, there's a bit of mocking going on about Cork this morning in the national papers and online because of these things. So uh, that's not great. But um, let, me get back to, let me get back to some texts and emails. But the, but the whole story is on your Twitter page this morning and also at tripendrasheen.substack.com, isn't it? Yes, that's right. So at Tidrasheen on Twitter or www.tripandrasheen.substack.com. Good stuff, as always, Elio Byrne. Thanks for taking the call. Regards to you and JJ. Appreciate it, as always. Uh, Seamus is on the way into town with his microphone in hand. If you see him, tell him your thoughts. And uh, I'm going to pop in myself. I've been in the, be in the city at, at lunchtime today, sort of a, a look around as well. Uh, pick up the phone, text 086-8104-106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Interesting text there reminding us of the uh, hanging gardens in Fitzgerald's Park and the huge amount of money that was spent on those. I can't remember that amount of money. I think it was closer to something off the top of my head, 700,000 or something. The hanging gardens of uh, Dermot Gavin back in the day. Uh, they... 
um, ended up being in storage down the marina for a long, long time. And then when they were installed in Fitzgerald's Park, they were never actually installed as they should have been. They were supposed to hang, but it actually rests on the ground. And David Gavin himself was very upset about that. Uh, why not just plant trees? create houses for the homeless or even just one house. Joke, we should demand to find out who signed off on this. Sick to death of working when the money I pay in taxes gets stolen off me for projects like this. Stupid. Just a waste of money. Who defended that? Who can defend this? Denise says, waste of money could be spent on something worthwhile and needed. Uh, People are quicker to whinge than they are to learn more. According to Forbes, each city tree absorbs as much, much pollution as 275 real trees. Uh, says James. Um, apparently that has been debunked apparently according to Ellie, but at least that's somebody in favour of these um, these robot trees. The council seemed to address an issue like putting a plaster on a cut without stitching the wound, whether it's the totally unnecessary walls around the lee or now these filters. Uh, they said that it fixes a problem in a problem area from emissions, but if they enforced the Patrick Street car ban properly, it would not be a problem area. I don't, I don't even know if it is the air quality in this city is as bad as perhaps people are trying to make it out to be. 350,000 is an absolute waste and no one uh, to get those who agreed to buy them out. And no way to buy them out. Cork deserves better leaders with more ambition. They ripped up the trees and replaced them at a snail's place. Uh, there's nowhere to sit down in the city, nowhere to take a pee uh, unless you're spending money. And some gone bean was taken in by a clever sales pitch and wasted hundreds of thousands of euro. Yeah, many were saying it'd be better off spending money on a uh, a really, really kick-ass public toilet um, or indeed more bins or both. I would normally criticise something like this due to the price tag, but after reading about it, I actually think it's a good idea. So two in favour. Absolute madness. Ugly and expensive. You'd buy a lot of trees for it. Unreal. There are animal shelters badly in need in our city and volunteers working flat out. And this is just another waste of money where traffic pollution will counteract it anyway. Apparently, to benefit from any kind of clear air quality, you have to be sitting under them. Anyway, that's just a selection. My apologies if I don't get to read them all out. Um, I need extra respite for my kid with autism. I've been told there isn't any space for extra days and there is zero funding. Uh, let nature grow trees, put the money into supporting the living. Instead of these artificial robots, we could have done with the extra money for respite to buy a building to help families out. Why not ask the people what the money should go on? Well, I have done that. It's a total shame, our country, and what it's turned into, says Niall. More talk about people trying to defend the indefensible. You couldn't make it up. Back after 10, text 0868 Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my... Mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Stay with this for a little while longer because there's calls and texts on it. But I just wanted to recap. I was talking about the reception for Kelly Harrington in Dublin. Uh, she got a gold medal in boxing, of course. We got the rest of them pretty much. We got four medals in total. Two gold for rowing with Fintan McCarthy and uh, Paula Donovan. Bronze for Emily Higarty from West Cork and the women's four in rowing. And then Kelly Harrington's gold in Dublin. So uh, four in total. Uh, 
know, I was curious as to, you know, will anything happen or has anything happened for all of the Cork medalists? I'm told there was a reception in Skibbereen for the rowers and the Taoiseach Michal Martin did attend. He might be holidaying in, in Court Mac. I don't know what he's doing, but at least he, he went down to that. It was, it was a small affair. I'm, I'm just wondering whether there would be any appetite for something here in Cork City for our three medals, two, go, two gold and, uh, and a bronze, or maybe, maybe that's a, a West Cork celebration and of, you know, um, uh, no business of ours, but I would hope that there's some kind of reception for them. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether the moment is gone now for, um, I think maybe the next open top bus we might have through the city might be the hurlers. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Anyway, talking about our city, Jim, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How have you, you ventured in to have a look at them yet? Because I'm fierce excited to go in this afternoon to have a look at them. Have you? I walked past them yesterday when they were, they, they were hanging around there, you know? Yeah. And they they, they they give me an impression that they're joint beehives. Good one. Yeah. Actually, I go along with that. Good description. Yeah. Joint beehives. And you had you had a, a member of the council on there this morning. I think she's from the council. No, no, no. This is uh, Elio Byrne from Tripe and Rasheen website. I mean, are they, are they ugly or are they attractive? Are they a bit of furniture? Well, I tell you one thing, they're going to be great for kids and fellas that's full up a port at 2 o'clock in the morning because they'll be training them up like levels. But, like, and can, would you be able to be my eyes now? Could, could you climb them? Well, I'm 60 years of age and I can get up them. Like, I, I, can, get, I can get up and top them, though, but there's no bother there. Like, but it, you see, you, you know. So we'll, see, we'll see street bollards and traffic bollards on top of them and stuff. You will, and you you could see a fellow asleep or someone when you uh, <laughs> when you walk down there too. You he could be sound asleep. He'll be dead safe so far. Yeah, and there's some look. very handy characters who can climb these kind of things because they're forever climbing Father Matthew and putting a traffic bollard on his head. Of course, and of they're course. forever climbing the fountain. Do you know what they remind me of, Neil? And I hear and I hear tennis. There was both a useful nose and Nash trail on the motorbike. <laughs> that's that, that's what they are now. Like, but if they're, but well, maybe they'll come in useful because if they are a robotic tree, as Emer points out this morning, you're supposed to climb trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, but what happens when somebody will fall off on them? <laughs> who's who's liable then? They claim off the they claim off city council. Well, should they council them plenty of money? Why wouldn't they? They're getting off of parking fines and things like that. That's where that's where the money is going. What what is an awful waste of taxpayers' money? This is yeah, there's an like, alert. There's an alert going around. Actually, one of these. Uh, captions, you know, one of these meme things that are going around. Uh, a buddy of mine, Billy McGill, sent me a copy of it earlier. He said, uh, here's what it says, right? It's one of these alerts. It says, Gardy are warning the public to be careful after Cork City Council answered an 083 number and paid €350,000 from their account for five robot trees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're laughing, but at, at the same oh, time... You laugh because you cry. Yeah, tis, mo- tis money that's gone. Uh, my, like, the, the, the council went on voice, according to our speaker the other one, the council went on the advice that they got from a company saying that they were very effective. Yeah. Now, that's like me going to the Boxing Federation, the other amateur Boxing Federation, and saying, listen to me, lads, in three years' time, I'll go to Paris and win a gold medal for you. Yeah. That, that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. And like yeah. they're saying, there's no maintenance required. Well, who b- who buys something on the basis of just what a salesperson tells you? Like you exactly. Know? Like I, I'm just wondering, is there a friend of a friend involved in nah, this company? None of that. None of that. Well, nah, none oh, of that. that's fine. That's none weird. That. But anyway, look. No, I mean, uh, with with all the best will in the world, like let's be let's be fair to those that are doing their jobs. They do them with the best will in the world. But I don't know. Yeah. Is is it a case of listen? There's 55 million going there in the National Transport Authority's budget. Is there anything we can come up with to get some of the money? Maybe somebody says, well, I did see a website selling these kind of robotic-looking trees. We could buy a few of those. Well, <laughs> it's probably how it rolled out. It's 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 a pity it's it's a pity like that they didn't go the natural way of doing and making more room for for for, for trees well the natural trees in the middle of the city. Feel free to jump in on this in a second if you want to come back on it. That's the point Brian wants to make. Brian, good morning. Good morning, me. I don't know. It's an interesting thought, actually. Maybe, uh, maybe um, a horticulturist could tell me how many real trees could you buy for three hundred and fifty grand. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it seems an awful lot of money for mocky air trees. You know what I mean? I mean, they don't seem to have any particular purpose. They make them nice to look at. You know what I mean? Well, well that's I mean, what I'm asking. Are they nice to look at? Well, I was in there yesterday, and they looked like. Uh, you know the coffee docks by them by say Bishop Lucy's pair. Yeah, they look like them. I thought they were coffee docks when they saw them first. <laughs> they don't mean, look like the Twelfth of July bonfire, no. Well, it will be. No, no, no. They don't. They're a small bit better prepared than the bonfires they have in the north. Right. No, I mean they look like a coffee dock. I mean, I, I mean, who has got an has got an has got an espresso machine installed? Like put in your two euro and you get a shot of coffee. Exactly, no? that's what I thought of all. Like, yeah, that you can get a, a shot of coffee or something like that. But I mean, it's just crazy. Like, I mean, the Department of Transport funded this, and I think the point we were making, they had 55 million, and they kind of said, we better spend it on something or to be taken off us. And some fellas said, we'll try these things. So, I mean, <laughs> we have not enough you know what I mean? I mean, it cost a million pounds for that thing that they have up the park, like the hanging gas. I gal. think it was over seven hundred thousand, wasn't it? They bought it from I the Chelsea the other, from the Chelsea yeah, Flower Show. To a million, was it? Oh God! Yeah. Stop. You know, but between the whole cost between uh, having to park it down the marina there for a long time as well, and then having to install it up in the the, the park. But I mean. I mean, if you looked at that, really, you, you'd, you'd probably take it for scrap. I mean, I know you can sit inside in it, but it's it's not the prettiest thing in the world in in, in Fitzgerald's Park, is it? Neil, 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 don't mention scrap. It'll be gone next month. <laughs> Actually, Niall, Niall says by email this morning, the North Main Street and Barrick Street are like one giant robotic tree itself with all of the moss growing from the derelict buildings even if Cork City Council didn't pay for them it's still me and you who'll pay for it in some way maybe they should have decided to use the moss growing out of our derelict buildings on Leaside what do you think? Well, what, yeah but I mean what I mean there must have been a minister or a dual minister in charge of this budget like I mean can he justify £350,000 for these things? Like, how long do either just before I let you go how long do either of you think they'll last? I'd say if they last 12 months, they probably last a long time. Jim? I mean, they're done yeah. purpose. Yeah, uh, um, people won't hate them. They, 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 won't, they won't hate them. And un- unfortunately, now what's going to happen there is that uh, graffiti will be starting to be sprayed them. And, you know, un- to the pity, I hate saying it, but it's going to happen. Like, they're doing this concrete, and these are going to become a target. And, and eventually, they'll be run down, and, and you'll wake up tomorrow, and they'll be gone. And that'll okay. be the... the 
the money with us. Okay, thank you guys. Keep those texts coming. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Brian. Keep those texts coming. How could they have spent the 350000 maybe a little more wisely? Back after the break. Calls on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. All right, stay with phone calls for now. It's a busy morning this morning as usual. And he was standing by. So is John. First, two Johns, actually. John, morning. Morning, Janelle. Okay. Um, what, what do you make of them? I, I presume, Neil, that they didn't chop down trees to make them, did they? Well, if they did, there would have been German trees to make the German casing, you know? It's all German-made. So they would have chopped so down trees me, to make them, yeah. And tell me, what about the, the management of the of the filters and the, and, and, and the other stuff? Well, will they have to be changed? well, I'm not the salesman now, so I didn't sell it to them. I don't have those answers. Well, no, but it's just, just a question that, that, that came to me. And look, if it don't work, they can always put them below and fix those back and they can swing hold the, 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 the hanging garden off them, you know? I mean, you know? I mean it, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have two people in UCC who are very qualified to say that they're just a gimmick, um, it's probably too late to give them back now. I would think so. I think that we, we just uh, bought another white elephant. You know, which is uh, something that we're very, we're very good at, you know? Yeah, but what of the councillors who sit at council meetings on Monday night? I mean, were they not aware of this? Did anyone put up their hand and say, um, uh, point of order here, this is insane, we're going to get slaughtered? Uh, I'd say, the, what you call it, I'd say they're just probably filming time for the fees, are they? Uh, well, I don't know whether it came before a Monday night council meeting. Like, councillor Des Cahill knew nothing about it. Ah, I shall listen to it. To it. it was it was a secret, so it was probably like the the, the party on the rooftop garden in, in Dublin, was it? Well, what couldn't happen anyway is that it couldn't have been spent on a public toilet because it came from the National Transport Authority's budget. So they probably right. wouldn't have been able to take fifty five grand and and build a, a toilet in the city for the public. But so, listen, there isn't a whole lot making any sense in this country, and hasn't been for quite a long time. So. This wouldn't surprise me, though. Yeah. Well, as the rollout was, has the rollout of the vaccine not made sense to you? Seventy-five percent of people now fully vaccinated. Surely we should be no. celebrating that. No, no. But so we were told, uh, we were told uh, two weeks ago there, uh, very swiftly, that uh, it won't make a blind bit of difference if everybody is injected or not to get about the health mentality. That's quite true. It won't make a blind bit of difference if everybody's vaccinated. I mean, no, wh- no, no, no. What is no, that? No, no. Why? That, well, that was, I don't know, that was the statement from Paul, what's his name, uh, the, from the from the HSE on behalf of the government. It'll make a huge, Paul Reid, you mean? It'll make a huge difference. Yeah. Well, I would have, well, we were taught at the start about a health mentality, that uh, if you could get up to 70 or 80% of the people, that we'd be, we'd be doing very well. Oh, okay, well, we're not going to get into the big discussion yeah. about that, but all I'm saying yeah. is surely that's something that we should be proud of. Well, shall I mean, it doesn't matter no, whether you inject them or not, and, and uh, because they're still getting it, and they're going to continue to get uh, this uh, this virus. So I mean, like, is is it the way that uh, the jab that they're giving them is not working? No, you can still get. All right, well, that, now they just bring that up. You can still, even if you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID, and you can pass it on to people who haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. That's the problem with it. Yeah. Well, but, well, well, we we don't you, know for sure if it's only to people who haven't been vaccinated. It it could be to anybody who's already been vaccinated. So I mean, if, if you've been vaccinated, double jabbed, and you can still get the virus, you can. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that that means so that you can you could pass it on to somebody that's been double jabbed as well. You can, yeah, you can. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, like I mean, we we we've half the world uh, gone bananas uh, jabbing them, and you'll find out when the winter flu comes in. Now they want to give the the flu vaccine in one arm, and they want to give them the the booster jab on the other arm. Maybe, yeah, maybe. And there has been talk so about that so using different arms so for different jabs. Yeah. So. So they'll be walking into the clinics over their hands up in the air like as like if they were under arrest. Well, <laughs> well, no, that won't be mandatory. That you know, this is this is still a matter of, of choice, and as far as I know, that's not going to change. They have the people brainwashed at this stage. Five minutes before the hour on every radio station across the country, every radio station, all we're getting is COVID, COVID nonstop. Could we make the first of September a COVID-free day by any chance? That, that's a, but they're 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 adverts. There's nothing that I can do about that. If people yep. buy advertising time, and if there was no advertising time, I yep. wouldn't be talking to you right now. So I, I, I can't help you there. Oh, I I understand that. But could we have one day that we're not getting the the, the heavy sell uh, from every radio station? I mean, okay. like okay. it's crazy at this stage, man. Well, it's 25 past 10 and I didn't mention COVID in any particular detail before now. No, no. Oh, I, I know that, but it's, uh, it was on before the news again this morning. It's on, it's on every radio. I, I'm, I'm, I'm as conscious as you are and as you are and maybe other people as well um, yeah. w- with regards to, as I call it, COVID FM. No, it's, I brought it up, yeah. actually. I brought it up. Not, I know, not but, John. but I tell you what, look, getting, getting back to the, the boxes, when the kids decide to, to spray them, at least ask them to spray them green so they'll fit in uh, with, with, the, with the countryside. Appreciate the call as always. There's another John. Good morning. Good uh, morning, Neil. I was talking about those audio posts down where... That's, that would be Penrose Key, wouldn't it, John? Penrose, yeah. yeah. Penrose yeah. Key. Where the uh, Innisfallen used to birth, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they were installed some years ago. I forget how many years. Now, I don't know if they're still... I think they're defunct No. Oh no, they don't work. I, I, I checked them out a few months ago, and I was cycling past there. They're all broken and and abandoned. They are, and they they were put in at a cost of hundreds of thousands of pounds at the time, and there they are now. You had to put your ear up against them, and there was continuous recording of uh, people talking about their memories and experiences of travelling on the Innisfallen. And you moved from one post to the next and you heard all sorts of different audio stories yeah, with a yeah. lot of atmospherics and yeah. sound effects. It was fabulous. It was, a, 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 in theory, and it's certainly a good idea to commemorate musicians like Rory Gallagher better than any piece of sculpture, is to have a listening post where you can actually listen to their music, you know? Yeah, but th- but that's an example of something that just got abandoned and, uh, and forgotten is, about. It's, it's, it's only, as that other John was saying there, the Hanging Gardens... Uh, we should call those the hanging gardens of Babylon because that's what they do with Babylon. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I have an idea for those five trees in Patrick Street, by the way. What would you do with them? I'd move them straight away to the city hall. They'd make a better job of running the city than the crows out of there. <laughs> like five Daleks. <laughs> Four, five Daleks, robot Daleks. It's out of place out no time. All right, thanks for that. Yeah. Two Johns. I'll come back to text on that a little later on. Text 0868104106. Just some text from yesterday's program. My son came out as transgender and it took three years for him to come out. There's no support in Ireland for that. I found that the people around me are so amazing about it all and they are very supportive. For that young boy to come out at, at so early, well, he was 10 when he told his mum. Um, I would say that boy is an example of knowing himself 
and self-awareness. The people who uh, online should get therapy because I think they might actually have underlying issues. The, this would be the bullies and the throw, trolls and the keyboard thugs. The boy is an example of a proud, strong and courageous kid. Um, there was a big backlash against him uh, by people who were just horrid and hateful. I would like to say to Tracy that she's an amazing mom. I understand how she feels about it all. She is all he will ever need. She will be his strength. Uh, if she needs to chat, I'm happy to reach out to her. She can get on to me. Uh, the guy about the gay poster, he should take the company to the Labour Court for constructive dismissal. They're very good and support the employees very much. If you were listening to yesterday's programme, you'll, you'll hear that story of uh, a chap in the workplace who um, uh, was being mocked by uh, fellow employees, employees, um, brought the issue to his boss and the boss said well we will be supportive of you would you like to put up a gay pride poster in the in the workplace and he did and then of course it got um, it got destroyed with horrible homophobic homophobic comics and comments and he hasn't been to work since uh, one or two more if the Merriam bash didn't happen we wouldn't have 200 people back outdoors if the Merriam bash didn't happen we wouldn't have music back interesting thought on it something to be um, something to be proud of or something to be happy with as a result of uh, the Merriam Bash uh, in the garden and 50 at lunch uh, it led to 200 people outdoors and music back quite obviously uh, that Merriam situation was a celebration bash for Zapone and a thank you for the nice job that she asked for and got from the arrogant Fine Gael leadership the sad part is that Micheál Martin just keeps backing them up to the continuing detriment of his own party Fianna Fáil, says uh, Anthony. And that's just the start of them. We'll come back to lots more text. But I want to go back to... Um, uh, oh, yeah, there was a, another boxer as well. Unfortunately, I didn't mention him. And that was the uh, the bronze uh, medal uh, that um, the boxer Aidan Walsh from Bangor. He won bronze in the welterweight. So it's important to accentuate all those who uh, were victorious at the Olympics. But certainly, nobody more so than here in Cork. I know it was only a few medals, but you know, at least we had... Um, we had the majority of them here on Lee side, and hopefully there'll be a lot more uh, with Liam McCarthy and All Ireland hurling medals coming to Cork in the next few weeks. Anyway, back to the phone as we go. Neil, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you um, doing? I'm well, but you're furious. I'm furious. Yes, I am furious. It's been going on for 17 months now, and I'm still furious. And you look out the this morning, you see the rain. Yeah, so I'm running um, summer camps at the moment. So thankfully, everything has been going well so far. Obviously, our Irish summer has dealt us a big blow in the sense that it's either been boiling hot or it's been raining. Um, but just in terms of this morning, so we look out the window this morning and it's raining. What do we do now? So I have five staff. I have four helpers, all paid. Um, I have 63 children attend- attending camp this morning. And what do we do? The government will not allow us to go indoors. So we make a judgment call. We no sooner have the judgment call made when the rain stops. And then we're no sooner at the camp again when the rain starts again. So... Where do we go from here? But just on, just on the case of today alone, uh, today's going to be a great day. Today might be a great day, but our camp starts at 10 o'clock this morning, Neil. So, but you haven't cancelled it, have you? We haven't. We've postponed no, it by don't. an hour. Yeah, so yeah, we've don't postponed cancel. it by an hour, but we're working hour to hour. So it's very, very disgruntling for all of us who have to run outdoor summer camps because we have to work on an hour by hour basis. We have to depend on the Irish weather to work. How is that going to help us going forward? You want to you want to be able to go indoors, do you? Like uh, like like a gym, is it? Of course we do. Yes, we want to be able to go back into our classes. Our summer camps are ending next week, 
and we have absolutely no guidelines from the government whatsoever on how we are going to move forward with our business. So essentially, anybody that has went back out to work and did summer camps this summer is now going to be re-unemployed again from next week onwards because there is no way that we can run classes. I'm a drama teacher. We have dance teachers on board. We run beautiful mother and toddler groups in Ballancolic and Douglas Buzzy Bounce Box. We run birthday parties. We have a lot of staff employed. And from next week onwards, we don't know where we're going mm. because we, we can't go in there. Mm. And it's very infuriating because on February 23rd, there was a revised plan published for living with COVID. And in that, it stated, while outdoor activities are safer, the risks are higher when there are large gatherings, limited social distance, dense congregation, mixing among groups and communal travel to activities. And there's also much greater awareness of the role that they're spreading events. And that brings me to the point that there was 24,000 people travelled to Crow Park last Sunday. Yeah. And in two weeks' time, there's 40,000. Yeah. Now, we run a very, very tight But there is distancing Not- there and... Uh- Masks as well, yeah? But we have distancing and we have masks. We're in a disciplined environment. We have a limited amount of people that are allowed to come into our premises. Were people wearing masks at the hurling semi-final? I'm not sure. I wasn't watching the hurling semi-final because I was trying to work and keep my business open. My point is, we are a very disciplined environment. We are allowed, we were in September allowed to work with 15 people indoor if our premises allowed. They were all two metres apart, all the children, and there was no outbreaks. We did the temperature checks, we did the hand sanitising, we did everything that we needed to do. Not all children play sports, Neil. Our children need to go back into their arts education. They need to go back to their dance classes, they need to go back to their drama classes, they need to go back to But when schools go back in September, will all that not happen as well, No. But this is it, Neil. We don't know. As a whole, last year, we weren't allowed to go back into the schools because they weren't allowed outdoor third parties to come in and do drama classes and things. And so we're relying on our local community centres to open up. And the guidelines are so hazy and so mixed. There's a massive impact on the physical and mental well-being of not just the children that attend our services, but also the staff. Yeah, but outdoor would be best, wouldn't it? But Chanel, outdoor would be best if we lived in a great climate. But outdoor is not best for our businesses when it's raining. But are your business are the businesses the getting any grants or assistance from the state? No, we're not getting any grants or assistances from the state. No. All our staff are with us. We're not on the wage subsidy scheme. We're not, you know, they're all off their pub payments, which, by the way, is closed now. So next week, when we can't go back into our normal classes, those staff are going to have to be laid off again. So what do they do then? They can't go back to a pub payment, no? They can't go back to a pub payment because the pub payment is closed for new applicants. So where do we go from there? So everybody in the arts are again being discriminated against. We're being neglected. I just don't understand how long more this is going to go on for. And you want to go back indoors for classes like yours or drama or arts or anything like that? Absolutely, absolutely. We need to go back to work. We need to go back to work. Just like the pubs needed to go back and the hospitality needed to go back. The arts. Yes, but I mean, like, I hate bringing that up again, but when you go into a restaurant or a pub indoors, and I haven't been indoors in any pubs and I have no particular intention of going into a pub anytime soon, the people that are going into them are vaccinated. 
that while the customers may be vaccinated, Neil, there is no obligation for the staff to be vaccinated as of yet. So it's still a very, very hazy situation there. And we are still talking about young children who don't like to go out in the sporting field. Young children who do use their dance drama classes to support their social, their emotional... Oh, I know, all, I understand all of that 100%, but is it safe? Of course it's safe. We were opened in September and we were super safe. There has been no outbreak within our sector. You can go and you can get your hair done for two hours. You can go and get your nails done. And while I, I welcome every single bit of it and I'm glad all those businesses are open, Yeah, but you're sitting, yeah, but they limit the amount of people into barbershops, don't they? And, and they limit, limit the, you have to have appointments to go into a hair classes. salon and you have to have a mask on. And the same with the drama classes. In the drama classes, anybody over the age of 13 needs to have their mask on. They're sanitised on the way in. There's spots on the floor. They have to be two metres apart. There is um, staggered opening and closing times of the classes. The parents need to send their children back to these kind of activities. Us teachers need to go back to work. The government have to step up. We are part of the PAEI, the Performing Arts Educators of Ireland. It's a governing body that were established in the beginning of covid we are actually staging a march next Monday from outside the Cork Opera House at 10am. We do encourage anybody at all to come out and support us because at this rate, there's going to be thousands of people out of work again from next week onwards. And nobody's listening to your plight. Nobody is listening. Yeah. I sent a message to Hall Martin on Facebook the other day. I sent a message to the Minister for Arts. I've got no replies. We've sent email upon email upon email. 400 stage schools sent out emails last Monday. We haven't received a reply. We haven't been acknowledged. We're very, very frustrated. We're very, very upset. We are in limbo. Tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and if it's raining again, another text has to be sent to our parents to say, guys, we'll have to postpone by an hour. We'll have to postpone by an hour. Our staff have to be told that they can't come to work. And yeah, and that's a lost day's wages. And if you cancel a camp, do you have to pay back all of the money? Absolutely. You're okay. you're obliged to either refund them or make up your time. And so okay. on Friday, I go to Ballancolic to do Buzzy Bounce Box classes. All the parents are absolutely thrilled to come back to the mother and toddler groups to meet other parents. If it's raining on Friday morning, all of them have to stay at home. My staff are not paid. The centre that's opening for us is not paid and the parents either get a refund or else they get their time made up again. And then what's that? That's just a delay in revenue constantly. And who pays us then for our day's loss? Okay, I can feel your frustration. I really and truly can. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous what's going on. They seriously need to address us. They seriously need to give us a time frame. They need to get us back to work. We are working in a disciplined, safe, structured environment where everybody is two metres apart, everybody is sanitised, temperature checks at the door. We need to go back to work, Neil. Okay. We have to go back All to right. work. Stay in touch, Neil. Take care. Thank you. Uh, sunshine's on the way from about 11, fingers crossed. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Actually, interestingly, you know the videos and the photographs that came out of the Healy Rays pub in Kilgarvan. Texter Mike says, the Berlin Bar in Dublin had its licence removed for exactly the same offence this must also happen to the Healy Rays pub. It's an interesting take on it. And then with regards to our Machia trees, you know they're run by electricity, Neil. You'd think they'd be run by solar power, wouldn't you, for the environment and to cut costs? They're plugged in where the Christmas tree on Panna usually is. Crazy waste of money. Um, more on their line for City Council to ask Kerry County Council for advice rather than a German company. I was in South Kerry on holidays, an abundance of car parks, an abundance of public toilets, and drinking water fountains. Cork City is a shambles. Um, one here, I was in the Tremor Valley Park for the first time the other day. Looks great. 
But I walked around the small loop. There's a few loops there. Looking to Vernon Mount. And the walk is maybe I don't know, maybe half a kilometre, a kilometre. He says, I saw one bin. Why is the 350,000 not used for things we actually need and not stupid robot trees which will be destroyed before Christmas for sure? I bet my house on them being destroyed. Waste of money counsels a joke. And one final one. It'd be interesting to find out who owns the company that these trees were purchased from and who approved it. It's a German company. Um, they could have built the whitewater rafting and given the citizens a bit of fun, says Desi. So there's that and lots more besides by text. But let me stay with calls for now. I want to talk to David, uh, an interesting take on things, because he gave up his job working in the gym to go in and build and, uh, and start his own mobile gym. David, good morning. Hi, how's it going, Neil? And it's called the Road Gym Express, isn't it? Yeah, that's oh, it, yeah. And with the situation you find yourself in, you say that it's an absolute farce that the government is more interested in steak and Guinness than people's health and fitness. What do you mean by that? Um, well, first of all, like obviously, like being an Irish person, I understand that like every business needs to thrive, especially the industry and restaurant and uh, bars. So I'm glad they're open. But I think regarding the whole thing being a pandemic for people's health, like you, you do think prevention is better than the cure. And the fact that, like my business, for example, I uh, had the idea there quite a while ago to go out and work with people around West Cork because a lot of people couldn't make uh, the gym due to the schedules, busy schedules and work and stuff. And my main target audience are the older adult group. Yeah, and I, I was looking at your notes this morning. You said that in maybe an older group, they're not all that keen to go into a gym where there are other people. Why is that? Well, like, there's, there is classes for the older adults but when you look at gyms like it's a business so you're you're not really it's it's not that attractive to have like you know so many classes for the elderly you you have like a few but for me they're like active retirement go for like fitness better balance these are just government granted and government funded courses they last about oh i thought maybe you was a point that people would feel more self-conscious but that's the same thing yeah like if someone has come to me uh, as a client like you know, there'd be a lot of people that feel they'll feel very a daunting experience going to a gym because it's you know it's not very private. Like it's just it's open. It's actually people there watching you, and plus it's not very welcoming for a lot of elderly people to go to a gym. Do people so, end up uh, comparing their body shape with the body shape of others, for instance, or people looking oh, oh, at their yeah. body shape? They think. Sure. But there's there's then just people from just real like the the loneliest parts of rural Ireland that they probably can't get to the gym to a gym or they. They, just, they can't get some to drive them in there or they don't really fancy going in, you know. And how does yeah, your business work? Is it a van? Is it a converted well, lorry? Yeah, or what? it's kind of... Um, I was looking up the idea there for comparisons price-wise and stuff like that and I couldn't find anybody doing it except a guy in Dublin who had a trailer but I got a Reynolds traffic van I kitted the inside out and it just it accommodates for all types of fitness so for the person who wants to lift heavy or the person who just wants to get fit for a marathon or for the older adult who has, like, I um, have worked with people before who've had stage one Parkinson's and they heavily rely on physical fitness. It's not a fad for them or any gimmick. They they need it because it helps along with their tablets for them to feel better. So, okay, so, so you have weights in there. Do you have a treadmill? Do, like, what else? No, 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 it's, it's, it's all just it's all just free weights. Free weights, okay. So yeah. what, what, what I have is, like, I spend an extra couple of hundred euro because the, the project I have is working with older adults, it's strength and mobility uh, classes, and I have nine to ten halls around West Cork. So I got them all ready for the 5th of July, I got them all signed up, um, spent 400 quid extra, I got like, it's basically like resistant bands, they're about two pounds or four pounds of weight, they're not that strong. One, one kg um, dumbbells, very light, and just steps. 
So it would just be kind of functional strength and mobility for, for all. And you got it all ready in all these different yeah. community halls, ready to rock um, yeah. from the 5th I'm of July. Vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated since 30th of uh, June. Oh, and I, I, I assume every older adult plus 65 plus is also uh, vaccinated. So I was going to base, I got everyone to have their own station with their own equipment, so no interchanging. There was going to be a one-way traffic system, like I've done the gym that I worked before. Um, it would have been very professional. I'm insured. The halls are insured. So if, if, if a person could go into a pub and have a pint vaccinated, um, or into a restaurant yeah. and sit down and have a meal indoors vaccinated, why can't somebody who's vaccinated go to you indoors? Because you're also yeah. vaccinated. But the, the, the halls I'm working with, there's, there's one or two halls that are telling me, you know, we have to learn to live with it, let's just go ahead. But I'm saying, no, we'll wait, because... It's just, it's a bit a bit mad. I've been speaking to like Paul Hayes, the owner, he's a counsellor, and um, he's been very helpful, but even he's in the dark and he hasn't got a clue. He's in fight my corner, but there's no, the worst thing, Neil, is there's no roadmap. There's no plan in place. There's but no is nothing. it, you know, is what we're talking about now permissible under the current guidelines? No, there's, there's, there's kind of a loophole and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very happy to see on social media in Cork, other gyms and martial arts centres and, and et cetera, Kind of, I, I suppose they're abusing the rule. There's individual training in gyms is allowed, meaning that one person, use like the gym I use, for example, is one person per hour. You have to be on your own, and you you have to clean everything. But like, there's gyms then that they're kind of, so you know, they're they're pushing it a small bit, having like more than five people in one room, uh, separated. That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to find. You know the big gyms in Cork. Say, for instance, Dennehy's. I don't. I don't know whether you know anything about them, but they've got fantastic gyms on Lisa. Are they open now? And can anybody go in? Well, like I said, not naming names, but like I follow a couple of gyms on, online, and they're. Let's just put it this way: there's a couple of gyms. They're they're keeping people to their own station, and there's some gyms they're not. They're interchanging equipment. It's like it's like a class of old. And I'm sitting here going, you know, like I can't do anything more right. So my my business is I, I wanted to provide a business for the older adult because, like I said, I'm very passionate about that. And I feel that they need something more permanent instead of like six-week courses. And that's kind of what I'm basing my business about, is doing classes for the older adult and then a bit younger. And the odd PT then where I drive to your home um, and bring all the gear there, you know? Because gyms are open. They are, yeah, they're open. But they're... It's so, that, that's the thing they're only up for individual training like let's let's put it this way the gym I used to work in again not naming names but they're they're following government guidelines and they're doing it the right way so they're they're not having indoor group classes because it states you're not allowed to have indoor group classes yeah but could you have 10 or 15 or 20 people or more on different pieces of equipment at the one time or is there some kind of a traffic light system or something this, this is the strange thing so the, you're, they're allowed to have people up in their gym when I was when I was there let's say they're allowed to have like 10 people like legally but these 10 people would have to clean the machines after they use them and it would be supervised and it would be there for an hour and I don't think you can go and take a shower or use the facilities or anything no 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 there's no showers no change rooms no nothing and, and you uh, need to wear a mask and things like that no there's no masks that's just in America I think in Germany so I don't think there's no masks inside anyway not here anyway okay so why, why can't you just get on and do your own thing 
uh, I'm not too sure. A lot of these halls that I'm working in, like I have a lot of friends that do yoga as well. And like the, the you know, like the lady was on the phone there a while ago, if she still is, she works outdoors. But I know a lot of ladies as well and fellas that have their kind of summer camps where they, they, they need halls to work in, you know. And like they do art classes and, and some sport classes. So the same thing. Like, oh, So the whole thing is quite vague, halls, isn't it? With play schools, very, very summer very camps, beautiful. businesses like yours. Because gyms are open and there's people in there using the equipment and they're wiping them down yeah. and they're cleaning them and everything. Um, <laughs> like I was, appro- I, I was approached by the Car Sports Partnership basically and that's kind of gone down the panel a little bit because they wanted me to do the project to help with West Cork farmers. So we were going to be McCroom, Skibbereen and Clannacilty, but we needed an indoor hall. So she would get, they would get as many farmers together. I'd work with them, you know, we'd check their ways, give them fitness programs. Um, but... Again, we need indoor facilities for that. And yeah, so I can understand why you say we're more interested in talking about pints or eating food than it is about people's yeah. physical again, or mental health. That, yeah. But it's like priorities, like logical thinking. It's just, there's not there. Like, yeah, I yeah. can't understand it at all. And, and that's why I'm not going to come on air and say the virus is, is a hoax because it's not that stupid. It's very real. But like how the government have gone about it is a bit topsy-turvy. It's all over the place. Okay. All right, let me get some more calls, texts and emails on this. Can I just read something out to you? Because you worked in the fit, you work in the fitness industry, you worked within gyms. Uh, I got an email in there recently, um, and I also will be coming back to issues involving steroids. I don't know whether you have any thoughts on the use of steroids and the amount of people who are taking steroids in gyms, do you? Um, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Like, personally, I have no experience with them. Um, I, it, it definitely is in the industry. It's kind of something that's like it's 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 a stain on it, but it's been used for donkeys years, like with the professionals, you know. So yeah, but these aren't professionals now. These are young no, people. No, no, no. Like this that's was from it's used by people who aren't professional and they don't know. Like because there's a if you read up on it, there's a lot of stuff that happens to your body. And there's a lot of like people these days. They but, can't seem to handle mental their mental health is weak anyway. So there's a lot of problems with mental health. Afterwards. Well, it's all about putting on muscle and looking buffed and big, isn't it? And and I'm told that unfortunately sometimes young people are getting it from their yeah. um, from their fitness instructor. Well, I, I wouldn't know about that now. Okay. Um, I don't know anyone specifically who's who's doing it, but I mean, it's like anything. There's, there's probably ways of getting these things if you really want it. But um, this, is, this is just why I kind of concentrate on all the rattles. Oh no, I understand that. But as a fitness yeah. instructor, I was just keen because she said my boyfriend took to working out and doing weights the past year during lockdown. He used to go to the gym before, but over the last 15 months, he's been working out excessively. He looks totally different now as to what he did a year ago. He said that he has goals to become a bodybuilder and do one of yeah. the bodybuilding shows. I asked him if he wouldn't, uh, as I know there's a lot of stress involved in getting the ideal body. He's now working out in his friend's homemade gym, and when he comes home in the evenings, he's either high or has mood swings. I don't think these highs or mood swings are anything to do with illegal drugs, but I do think he's on steroids. And looking back at old photos and his body has changed dramatically in a short period of time. Are there any telltale signs of someone's using products that I should be aware of? I'm afraid to confront him because of his moods. We haven't been getting on well of late and I'm afraid if I do, he won't take it too well, that he'll end our relationship. Maybe someone might have advice. Well, that. yeah, that, it is. It is a telltale sign, right? Like to be honest with you, like if if, if you're if you're a complete beginner, you, you're probably going to, you know, if you're continuous in the gym for six months, you, you're going to get bigger than you are, but not not ridiculously. But like the process doesn't keep going that way. Otherwise, everyone who goes lifting weights would be massive after two years. So yeah, it is a telltale sign. Like it's just 
you kind of look for for mood swings and abnormal growth, like people who are just getting too too big too in, in a short period of time. I came across I came across five minutes of Love Island there the other night, and the fellas in it are big. Um, have well, you seen it? No, what the, the the thing is, like the, these guys could possibly like there there is there's loads of loads and loads of factors. There is a thing called genetics. Everyone's got different genetics, and it, quite possibly, if you have all the ingredients together. No, but I'm saying, do, 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 I know that you can do it right, yeah. and I'm assuming yeah. that they yeah. all in Love Island are doing it right. But do the lads then say, well, Neil, see they are them? Handpicked as well, you know, they are handpicked these people. So I'm sure if you went about and did interviews, you could handpick people. Yeah, but good you know, the lads in Love Island, are, and and maybe it's the same with girls. People see them on television. They want to look like them fast, don't they? Yeah. Well, like as a person trainer, like I see a lot of guys and girls in, in good shape, and I know they're not a nothing. They're just they, I wouldn't say they're obsessed. Fair with them, enough. But they're they're yeah. quite they're quite consistent. They go there three days a week, four days a week. They eat they eat well. The eighty twenty rule. They eat good twenty percent crap. You know, so they enjoy themselves. And plus, they're young. When you're young, it's easier to get in good shape if you're in the gym rather than starting at 40-50. Gotcha, gotcha. Although it is never too late. Uh, David, good well, to I catch up. I definitely, I definitely don't think anyone in Love Island is on a steroid. No, I'm not. I wasn't saying that. I was saying, do people see their body image and want to replicate it, you know? Oh, of course they do, yeah. Definitely, definitely. That, that's the problem, sure. Everyone wants to look like someone else. All right. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Good luck with the business. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. There's David. He's got the Road Gym Express. Hopefully there are better days to come. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Texter says gyms are open, changing rooms, showers, etc. It's exactly the same as it was pre-pandemic. No booking necessary. Classes are the only thing that's not in gyms now. No classes, everything else. Well, I thought that the facilities were closed with regards to changing rooms and showers and stuff like that. But somebody's suggesting that they're all back the way they were. Um, pretty much like Sweden. I was talking yesterday to Josephine. Sweden never locked down. Sweden never wore masks. Their medical officer was mocked by our experts to let the virus work its way through the population with minimum restrictions. And now he's been proven right. Neil, Josephine on your program yesterday in Sweden showed her true colours at the end of the chat. She's clearly anti-vaccine. You should have rebutted her more forcefully or had somebody do it for you. (laughs) I thought I did. Uh, Josephine calling from Sweden makes uh, total sense. People have to wake up and see that there's so much global propaganda and fear-mongering. Our society will be destroyed until people wake up and realise what's going on. Vaccine passports are controlled. They are not for our health. Meanwhile, I'm a 25-year-old healthy primary school teacher from the city. I got COVID on the 30th of April. I had not been anywhere except work for the week previous to getting COVID. I have contracted COVID from children in my class. April 30th. So much for schools being safe. COVID absolutely floored me, both mentally and physically. I'm still not back to full health now. For me, getting the vaccine is a no-brainer. I would not want anyone to experience how ill I was. 25-year-old, healthy, primary school teacher, no underlying conditions. I'm sure people have been putting far, far worse into their bodies all their lives. These kinds of vaccines have years of research behind them. Everybody, of course, says the choice. But from someone who has been floored by the virus, I would say lift up that sleeve and get it jabbed. Love the show. Don't give up my details. There are people listening who will say that the vaccines have not had years of research um, behind them because they are still in trials and were rolled out quite quickly. But that's a text from a 25-year-old 
healthy primary school teacher floored from it. Um, and just one or two more just ahead of uh, the break. This is a back to the whole issue regarding gyms. Um, perhaps you should be talking more about gyms. I have been going to the gym for the past two years. I first started to lose weight and now I continue to go for my head. It's addictive. I love the buzz I get there. Uh, however, and this is kind of picking up on the point I made earlier on, are people looking at each other's body shapes in the gym and are people maybe feeling a bit, a little, little bit, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, embarrassed of their own body shape looking at other people. Anyway, I've noticed so many girls now, especially over the past two years, and all they're doing are photo shoots. What I mean is they go on a completely radical, dangerous, unbalanced diet on some sort of a vanity project. I've trained with some of these girls, but not anymore, as they're just self-obsessed now, and everything is about the photo shoot. Some of these girls are putting themselves under so much pressure that their periods have stopped. They've gotten eating disorders, and worse still, they're so desperate for the perfect body, they are taking steroids. I used to love the gym, but not anymore. These girls, for me, are ruining themselves, and it's like a car crash in slow motion. I can't watch it anymore, but it's near impossible to escape it, because they post all of their photos, which I may add are also edited all over Instagram. They obviously are doing it to try and prove something to someone else, perhaps. I find it all sad. It's out of control. And these types of shoots are nothing short of vanity projects gone completely wrong. Love the show, says Sam. And that by email to neil at redfm.ie. Just on the topic of uh, body image, uh, the photo for Instagram, and indeed the use of steroids. Back after 11... Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Cork's Red FM, officially Ireland's music station of the year. I was talking earlier on about rent and housing, commenting on the housing situation. You mentioned rents are extortionate. Myself and my partner are paying 1500 for Carrigaline for a house that we are lucky to have. But it's not the best standard house, I can tell you. Mortgage rates have come down, as you said, which is great. But prices of houses have gone up, so we still can't afford to buy. So we're stuck renting at very high rates, 1500 I'm assuming that's a three-bedroom semi in Carrigaline. Thank you for that. Mind you, I was also talking about renting rooms, and that's a, a new one, and many landlords prefer to rent by the room. There are landlords now, Neil, renting out rooms where someone isn't allowed to bring a friend over to stay the night. They're charging huge money for cash. They refuse to use the bank. They refuse to register with the PRTB. There are no contracts. It's just a cash deal. They are now looking for 50 euro if you have a friend stay over. There are cameras in the house watching all your moves. I've rented all my life and I'm horrified by this development. Imagine the money um, and the landlord is working in a good job as well. Imagine the money being made, the cash. If you charge well, you must pay tax and allow a person to control their own bedroom. Within reason, I know. Can't go into the full details of the story. It's not my own situation. I'd never pay cash for rent myself as I pay too much tax. It would mentally kill me. So I think you're telling me the story on behalf of a friend or an acquaintance uh, who only pays cash, has no contract, must be cash, isn't allowed to have friends over. And if they do, the friend is charged 50 euro for the night. Um, I wonder, is there much of that going on or is that uh, just a one-off? Um, a lot of other texts from different topics. You're talking about the, the hurlers yesterday and spoke about Charlie McCarthy I also spoke about Shawnee O'Leary, who played Cork Senior Hurling in the in the 70s. Texter says, Shawnee suffered a nosebleed before the 1978 Munster final. The ensuing medical exam was a catalyst to him, to him having one kidney removed. He made a comeback 
and scored two goals to help secure the 1984 All-Ireland Hurling Final. I also saw in that documentary that I watched about Christy Ring that when Christy Ring stopped playing, after a period of time, he went back as a Cork Hurling selector. And apparently there was some, I don't know, was it an All-Ireland Hurling Final? Might have been a Munster Final. It was some game where just before it, when they were warming up, one Cork player apparently hit, um, I don't know, was it, I think it might have been uh, Shawnee O'Leary. Uh, I think it could have been. Hit him in the nose with a hurley and he got a nosebleed. Um, so he went off to the sideline. Uh, and Chris Turing said to him, get out there and play, he said. You don't play a hurling with your nose. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was interesting. I hope we got the right player. Um, and then a final one with regards to the scramble for tickets. Will you tell people who normally couldn't be bothered getting off their arses to support Cork don't be asking or stop asking for tickets for the final. They're a disgrace. We don't want any mock supporters of Croke Park who are only up there for a day out. Stay at home, leave the real supporters, get the tickets. You're absolutely 100% right. Houston um, Roy Keane called them the prawn sandwich brigade. Talking about prawn sandwiches and talking about food. I don't know how have any of you tried to book a hotel there recently. I certainly did over the weekend. You wouldn't get a hotel room in Killarney. You wouldn't get a hotel room in Kenmare. I don't know what it's like in West Cork. I'm sure it's something similar. But within them then, you will see many adverts in the windows of hotels, like I did, looking for staff for all sorts of different departments. It's a wonder how many of them are managing to actually get open and stay open or put food on tables because there's a dreadful shortage of chefs all over the country since the pandemic. Now, it's fair to say a lot of them bought themselves horse boxes and went off into business themselves. Others went back to their home countries. But whatever we have anyway, we got a huge shortage of staff in many different trades, but particularly in hospitality. But enough of me on this. I want to talk to Kevin Ford, who's the general manager at the Middleton Park Hotel. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. And you would clearly agree that there is a, sh- a serious shortage of chefs. But why? Well, at the moment, Neil, I suppose everyone's aware that we had the, the COVID pandemic and, and a lot of chefs were laid off. And some of them just went into different areas um, and got different work elsewhere. Um, so now that we're, we're all back open... And, we're and why wouldn't they be encouraged to come back, though, Kevin? Is it the, the hours, the job, the stress, the pay? Um, I think it's a, a, a lot of different factors, Neil. Maybe they just got, you know, comfortable in the in the work that they went into in the end. But, um, I mean, the hospitality industry is, is a great industry to be working in. Um, and the hours and the pay um, is, is what you get of it when you've, you know, you've worked hard. So it's not, I don't think that's the main factor right. behind it. Okay, didn't, a lot of them went mobile, didn't they? We've seen that in every town and village. Would, would those fellas have been, and girls, men and women, would they formerly have been in, in, in restaurant and hotel kitchens? They could have been. Um, I know that some uh, chefs you would see that they might be opening their own little ventures like that. Um, but it, it wouldn't be all the people, the, the chefs that have been lost in the industry. But for whatever reason, anyway, there's a big call out for people to um, to take it up as a, as a profession. Is that it? There is. And I suppose that's what we're offering um, with, our, with the Talbot Collection Chef Development Programme that we're looking to get uh, 20 candidates across our five locations uh, to train as chefs. Um, and we have a program there uh, across Cork. So we have two properties in Cork, ourselves in the Middleton Park, and then we have the Oriel House Hotel in Ballincollig. And between us, we're looking for eight chefs, eight trainee chefs, um, to do this program, the training program, through the Talbot Collection. And they will work in either Oriel House or the Middleton Park? 
Yes. Okay. Um, and okay. we also have locations in uh, Carlow, in Dublin, and in Wexford who are also looking for traineeships. So that would be maybe 20 in total, would it? It is 20 All altogether right. across, the, across the group. And here's the deal here, lads. You Tell us what you have on offer here for them to train. So, Neil, what we're uh, saying to these uh, potential trainee chefs is that we will, it's a 12-week paid programme. Um, it's in conjunction with the KWETB. Uh, the training will take place in Kildare and Wicklow. And then we will put these uh, trainee chefs up in the Talbot Hotel in Silorgan. So your accommodation will be covered by the hotel. Your meals will be covered by the hotel and your transport to and from the training facilities will also be covered by the hotel group. Um, and then when you finish that training, you'll be awarded a City and Guilds Level 2 Diploma in Culinary Skills. Um, well, will you get a job out of it? Well, this whole programme includes a 27-month full-time salaried contract within a Talbot Collection Hotel. So if you go to ourselves in Middleton and the Middleton Park Hotel and you do the training through us, you'll come back to us then um, for a 27-month full-time salaried contract. That's a two-and-a-half-year contract? Yes. Okay, so 12 weeks paid training, free accommodation, all your meals, transport to and from the training kitchen facilities, City and Gills Level 2 diploma, full-time two-and-a-half-year contract back in the hotel, whether it's the Middleton Park or Oriel House. Exactly, and it's, it's our it, way of saying, you know, we understand that there's a, there's a shortage of chefs in the country, and this is our hotel group's way of trying to encourage people into the industry who maybe might not be able to afford the accommodation if they wanted to go okay. to Dublin for yeah. training or in Cork, and, and we'll cover the cost of that in order to get you in the door and start your career. Oh, it's a very innovative idea, for sure, but some might say it's out of desperation, but you have to do what you have to do. But after 12 weeks training, can somebody actually cook then in a hotel kitchen of any standard? Well, what, their, what their role will be once they've done that training is a junior commie chef. Um, and they will continue their training over the course of the time in the hotel um, being trained by our own chefs in-house. But then they can also go on and register through the Level 6 um, National Commie Chef Programme. What's a commie chef? Continue. So a commie chef, the different levels of chefs. So your commie chef would be your entry-level chef um, and a chef in training. And then this is what we would offer to these, uh, to these candidates um, and the opportunity then to go on and continue their training through the hotel group. They work through the levels, of course, and build up the experience over time. Exactly. And it's, just, it's a way to start their career. So we're looking for anybody who is interested in, in getting into the hospitality industry, who maybe didn't take that step, um, maybe school leavers who are unsure of what they want to do, or somebody who's just looking for a change of career, somebody who's, in, who's always had maybe a passion for cooking and they've been interested in getting involved in the industry and we will help those people get into the industry and train as a chef. Okay, just on that point then, if somebody was interested, uh, do they need any other experience or do they need any qualifications or educational standards or anything like that? The only people that we're looking for is people who are willing to learn and are interested in, in working hard to become a chef. Um, you know, we will give them all the help and guidance that they need. Uh, as I said, we will provide the accommodation and meals and transport from the Talbot Hotel in Silorgan, um, and we will help them along the way. So just somebody with the right attitude who's willing to learn. Age? Uh, any age. Uh, once you're a school leaver, you're, it, you're, the programme is open to you. Now, what's the wages? Uh, Are you in a position to even discuss that? Well, I suppose it starts at what the, we will pay the national wage for, the, for a commie chef. Um, and then obviously the more the experience that you get and the le as you move up the levels, the wages go with that as well. So it's, 
you know, it's the training that goes along with it, Neil, is what we're trying to give for this. And as I said, we're providing the accommodation and the meals and the facilities uh, along with the KWET. Oh, I know, I, I know that. But uh, I think a lot of the time when people go for interviews, they don't, they're, they're, they're not as forward perhaps as they should be with regards to asking the right questions. And one of the questions that people should ask at interviews is, what's the salary? Um, you know, I'm just because like somebody says, I've worked as a chef for the last 12 years and the wages are crap for chefs. Wages are crap for chefs. I'm not surprised people are leaving the industry. You don't get paid for anything over 40 hours, especially if you're on a salary. There's no pension scheme or nothing. It is one hard job. So I'm just. Well, I suppose, Neil, you're, you generally hear the bad news stories that come out of any industry. So the hospitality industry is no different. But in the Talbot Collection, you know, we pay the correct wages for the work. If you're on your salaries um, contract, you do your correct hours. We offer a contributory pension. So we will contribute to your pension if you've been with us for 12 months or more. You know, it, not all, all hotel groups are the same. Well said. Uh, and we would be yeah. very, we would be very progressive in terms of this. We have a history of training um, and promoting internally um, within our hotel groups. And it's something that we really feel is important. And we're trying to remove this stigma from the industry that it's not an industry to be in. Because I've been in the industry now for 13 or 14 years and it's been the best thing. I enjoy it so much. And I know many people in the industry that also love the work that they do. So that's experience of that ex-chef there that I just read out now is not, is not the ethos within your hotels. Absolutely not, no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when does this start? Uh, the programme starts on the 13th of September, so it's just five weeks away from now, so just over a month, and we're interested in hearing from anybody who wants to be part of it. We've been overwhelmed with interest from it so far, so much so that we're thinking of increasing it from 20 to 30 chefs um, once we've gone through the people who've applied for the programme so far, just because we want to give people the most opportunity that we can. But, so if anybody is interested in getting involved, they can contact the hotel directly to the middletonpark.com and go on to our careers page and the same with the Oral Health Hotel or else they can go on to our talbotcollection.ie page and go on to the careers page there and it will give them all the information for the programme and the properties that are, that are offering the programme as well. Great idea. Well done. And just very finally, didn't CERT, wasn't there a training school in Limerick, wasn't there near Shannon that we used to do all of this? Is that still going? Uh, no, so CERT isn't going anymore. Um, so who's training chefs reason. in Ireland? Well, the, the ITs are, so CIT and DIT are doing culinary arts programs as well. Um, but said it's, the uptake is different. Uh, again, as I'm saying, that we're trying to make this as easy as possible for people to get into the industry. Um, and in order to cover the accommodation costs, which uh, is yeah, very high. Yeah, you're doing all of that for people them. an yeah. easy way into the industry um, and provide them the training that we can provide for them. Sounds to me as if it couldn't be more straightforward, in fairness to you. You're looking after everything. You're ticking all the boxes. Okay, so to either of the hotels are, are www.talbotcollection.ie. All of the info is there and it's straightforward to follow, right? Exactly, that's all there. All right, my man. How's business? Good? Room's good? It's been good. Uh, the summer has been good, thank God. Um, you know, we're, we've been fortunate to have some wonderful guests through the hotel over the summertime since the reopening of tourism and, and hospitality and we really enjoyed the summer and some fantastic people through the hotel so we're, we're looking forward yeah. to you know to the restrictions easing a little bit more and being able to get back to doing what we do best and your hotel is the is the gateway to East Cork if you like and and you have people who are staying and also inviting the public in that's under the guidelines and vaccinated people and all that no bother Exactly, yeah. So we have people staying from all over the country, um, you know, enjoying East Cork and what's around here, enjoying the hotel, 
Um, you know, we'd have a lot of families that stay during the summertime um, and on school holidays. So it's been great to see them all back this summer again and just enjoying the hotel and enjoying East Cork. Fair play, Kevin. Thanks for taking the call in a bit of idea. Kevin Ford, the general manager of the Middleton Park Hotel. Further details, if chefing is your thing, um, further details, www.talbotcollection.ie. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prinderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Awful story regarding the travelling from Dublin to Cork on the train at the weekend from our female caller yesterday. Another fellow says, I'm travelling to Dublin this Thursday and while I'm getting the early train up, I will be getting the air coach back for the very reason the woman is discussing on air. Anytime I must travel to Dublin in the past, I would have gotten the train. But when people are just left to act the maggot, it's so unsafe. I will use the Cork to Dublin train as little as possible until order is restored and there's some sort of security on board. If you missed yesterday morning's program, you missed a humdinger of a phone call and her experience on the train coming down uh, from Dublin. Uh, Meanwhile, I also mentioned yesterday that there was a blogger who said that the word curry should be unlearnt or should be forgotten about. Um, uh, You know, it had to do with this blogger who was saying that it's very, very disrespectful uh, to regard all food out of India or indeed Asia as curry because he said there are thousands of different dishes all around his country and many other countries like that and uh, they have all been deemed as just being curry. So I suppose what this blogger was saying at the time was that it should be um, cancelled. The word curry should be cancelled. Richie texted, regarding your curry remark, I know you didn't mean anything by it but and you're simply relating the comments of some food blogger But the statement you made was utterly racist. This nameless blogger suggests that the word curry ought to be done away with because white people refuse to learn the names of certain dishes properly. Is it only white people who use the word curry, Neil? This may not seem like a big deal to you, and in many ways it isn't. But it's symptomatic of the acceptable casual racism that is directed towards white people these days. This behavior does not happen by accident. It is a means to an end and has been weaponized, orchestrated and cultivated for a reason. I have to say the fact that you didn't even notice the racism in your remark proves the insidiousness of this strategy. I did notice it actually, but I decided just to read it anyway because it was how it appeared on the paper to me. Maybe I'm just not as afraid of reading these things out as others, but it wasn't as if I didn't notice the term white people refuse to learn the names of certain dishes. I did. That's what the man said, and I read it out accordingly. But an interesting take on it, and thank you for it. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines we go. Caroline standing by, so is Charlie. First up, John Martin. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. Are you on a speakerphone? Nope. Okay, good man. Let's uh, let's see if we can get through this. The quality of the line might improve. But you, you sent an email if, uh, originally, but thank you for coming on the air. Um, talk to me about, um, is, the, is there a connection between my conversation with you and this 350 grand that's being spent on robot trees. Right, so um, obviously this for me is about Andy and my, my um, concern there. But just to bring the, the robot trees into it, yeah. Andy wouldn't be around where the robot trees are. Uh, the robot trees are a waste of money, in my view. But, uh, you know, they're not the reason I am actually on the phone to you today. Yes, but it, I mean, in one, in one hand we waste it, when on the other hand we could use it better. So go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, will I get back onto my to um to Andy and the situation we've got with him? Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, we started off our own little group there, um, helping the homeless uh, about 
I think I think tomorrow will be our seventh week, Neil. Yeah, uh, and I've been helping the homeless for about four years. Uh, there's only four of us on, in the group who goes around, and then there'd probably be another six in the background helping out cooking and things like that. Okay. Like, Do you have a particular us, uh, night or a slot? Because there were other groups as well who were out. Yeah, so we, we chose a Thursday night because um, one, one of my colleagues, uh, she she identified that there was nobody who done what we do. Like, you know, we don't set up a table. We just go around the city finding um, people who are homeless okay. and just trying to build up a relationship with them, like, you know. Okay, okay. Um, one of the things we do is to give out food, like, you know, see if they need any clothes. But we try and, you know, we try and converse with them. That's our main aim, like, you know, try and talk to these people. Like, and, and more than talk, we try and listen, Neil, if you know what I mean. I do indeed. Um, and tell me about the lad in the tent. So we've got this lad in the tent. We met him um, on Thursday night, like it probably be uh, two weeks ago t- uh, tomorrow. Um, and we seen if we were all right, like uh, right from the very, very beginning, we knew he was different than, you know, like uh, a lot of the people on the streets where he had no drink inside him at all. We weren't sure initially, was he, you know, was he high on some kind of drugs? But once again, within, within like 60 seconds, we decided he wasn't. Uh, and, and as we got to talk to him a little bit more, um, we, we thought, like, you know, he could be on the autism spectrum or something like that. I know I have two children who are. Uh, I know uh, two, of the, two of my colleagues, like, also have children who are autistic. And the more we talk to him and the more we engage with him... Living with autism. Yeah. More convinced we are. He's, he's, he's definitely autistic, in my opinion. Okay. Anyway, living no, living with autism is the term. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so you, want, anyway, you wanted so to get him out of the tent. Did he, did he, I mean, can you tell me anything at all about why he was in, in a tent? So the first Thursday night, like, we, we did try and talk to him a little bit. We got very little out of him. But we actually, the first night, we actually got him into Simon. We took him to Simon, like, the, um, we explained the situation. Um, in fairness, like, he gave us his date of birth, and they had everything on him, like, you know. He'd come from Mayo, as we were saying there, uh, and he was on the system there. But they said, they, kick, they take him in that night, um, but they'd refer him back to Mayo the following day, and they get him a bus pass, and they get him out to the city, like, mm-hmm. because... They can't be registered in two cities at once. Now, this to me, obviously, well, sorry, no, this to me was news. I have no idea. Like, I thought, like, with the EU, everybody can go everywhere in, like, you know, the 27 countries. Like, never mind, you can't go within, you know, like, different counties in your Yeah, but they're saying that he already had an existing registration with the the homeless services in Mayo, I suppose. Did did, did you manage to work work out why he came from Mayo to Cork? Absolutely not. We're still we're still working on that one now. Like we've no idea. Like yeah. Okay. But anyway, so so anyway, so like Simon said, they were going to get him out. You know, get him back to to Mayo kind of thing. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I was actually in the city then on the bank holiday Monday. Uh, I actually messed up with my son, like who lives in Cold Black, and uh, went for a meal. And I, st- I was in the tent. We're still there. So I did a bit of inquiry. Like now we we couldn't do anything that week. But yeah, he was still there. But we went down the following Thursday again. And we tried to converse with him again. Well, can we say and where we the tent is, or is, is that something we should? Um, it's near the bus station. Is it on the keys or something? No, it's on the bus station, next to the bus station, basically on uh, Parnell Place. Is it? It's just in a tent on Parnell Place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right next to the taxi rank, in fairness, like uh, saying we've been, we've engaged with the taxi. Um, the people in the taxis, like they've been absolutely superb. They've they give us all the information we could have asked for. They give us money. They've been giving us water. They've been really helping him, like you know. And he's a very proud lad. He is like he doesn't like to take, uh, but you know, 
they've, they've kept us updated. So I've, I've got nothing but praise for the lads on the taxi right now. On, is it point well done to them. Well, he only got the one night yeah. in Simon and back no, into so we the... T- we went the next Thursday and we got him in the game. Yeah. So the following Thursday, we went down uh, and we got him in the game. But then we realised at this stage that we had to get we had to be more involved. So on the Friday then, we actually... I actually personally went into the city and I took him to the... I, I'm rubbish with these... Um, what do you call them there? Like, you know, with the abbreviated code. Like, I think it's the APS. But I actually went down, explained the situation to Simon and they said, yeah, take him across the road there to try and get him registered in court, yeah. So I did that. I think it's the APS, but I know where it is anyway. It's right next to the Clayton Hotel. Well, I think it's in the same building as the Clayton mm. Hotel. So I went in there, explained the situation. Well, no, sorry. Um, Andy explained the situation like you know but I was with him like uh, and he really struggled he kept pulling his mask down he was very uncomfortable but um, basically the lady said look you're you registered in Mayo you cannot um, be registered in Cork at the same time you have to close your registration down in Mayo if you want to avail of the services in court uh, and in fairness she was nice like you know she wasn't helpful but she was nice and she gave us the number there uh, and I said that's no problem so we went outside and uh, we rang them uh, and I explained the situation to the lady at um, Mayo. Mayo Call Call, yeah, uh, and she said, yeah, that's fine, like, but I will have to talk to, you know, like, um, the recipient, and uh, so so I give, um, I give Andy my phone there, like, and away he went, uh, and I tried to keep near him, but but we're giving him the, the bit of space also, like, because, you know, this is call, like, you know, and uh, it, is his, his, uh, it is his business. Yeah, okay, it's but private, yeah. I, I could see him, though, like, mouthing, like, I don't have an address, and he said this five times, and I could see as it was going, it was getting more and more agitated, Neil, and he was like, uh, and I thought, this lad, he's going to have a break, in the, uh, he's going to like, you know, have a, a meltdown in a minute, like I say, I have two autistic children, I know, I know the signs, like, uh, so I went and intervened, kind of thing, uh, and in fairness, we were walking towards the river, now I'm not, I don't mean, I thought he was going to throw himself in the river, but it, that's just the direction he was going, like, so I called him back, I said, everything all right, I've hung up, he said, there's no problem, like, you know, with all the time in the world here now, like, you know, so what do you want to do now, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I said, well, do you want me to ring him back, like, and get back? And uh, he was adamant he didn't want me to ring him back. At this stage, so they, uh, that's, uh, I said, right, I'll tell you what we'll do now. I said, we'll get you back to your tent. Uh, I got him back to the tent, and I rung one of my colleagues there, like, uh, a, a young girl, actually, but she's fairly awful in the city, like, um, uh, and she gave me advice, basically, get down to Simon, but don't go to the main door, go to the outreach department, I think. That's what I took it as, anyway, that's the right name or not, I don't know. Mm. So I went to the outreach department, and I explained the situation to them. They said, get him down here and we'll try and help him. So once again, I went down uh, to the tent, got Andy, went back down, presented, and they said, yep, no problem. Uh, we'll take him across to that APS, I think it's called, if that's the right name again. Like, uh, uh, and they said, but to me, you're grand, you can move on. Like, uh, we'll sort it from here. This was the Friday, yeah. So that was me. Like, you know, I actually live in Camturk, uh, Neil. So, you know, I have a fair trek every time I go to the city. Yes. Like, it's a 110 kilometre round trip yes. every time I go yeah. into the city. But you, you left him in their that. hands at that stage. Yeah, but I left it in their hands. So that was grand. But at this stage, like, I know we've done that the last time and we, we went. So uh, that was the Friday. Now, we didn't do anything Friday evening. But then Saturday, uh, two of the lads uh, who live in Ballancolic, like two of my colleagues there, uh, they went in, like, you know, uh, they give me some food, um, more fruit than anything else. And they had a good chat with him, like, and I think they said they spent about half an hour with him. And it went well. Uh, but then two of us then, like, that was a Saturday afternoon. The Saturday evening, this is where it turned a bit pear-shaped now. Two of us went in again. Now, me and the, the, the last uh, from the city, like, she looks up the north side. We went in there to try and get him sorted again, like, trying to get him into the Simon. Uh, 
this was, we got there for about, I don't know, maybe quarter past ten. Explain the situation. There were, there were new people on the other side, and like, you know, so we explained the situation. They said, uh, yeah, initially they were a bit dubious, like, but then when they explained the situation where their colleagues, like, had tried to get him registered, like, you know, they said, yeah, bring him down, then present him, and we'll get him in. So we did, like, we were there for quarter to eleven, um, where they opened for the eleven o'clock. We let them know we were there. It got to five past eleven now, like, uh, and we said, right, we're here now, like, you know, um, you've got all your regulars in, like, and they said, no, sorry, we're full. Mm. I said, well, we just got this right out of a tent, like, you know, you said you could give him a place. But no, there was adamant there was full. Now, they gave him a cup of coffee, mm. and uh, and he got a sandwich from him, like, but... So you had to go had to here to go the back to the tent? We had to take him back to the tent. How long is he living in that tent? <sighs> now, now, this is where we're not sure. He's been in court for two weeks. Uh, so okay. this will, it will, I think okay. he was there a couple of days before we met him, which was two weeks ago. So he'd be coming up for three weeks in the tent, like. In yeah, the but you system. see, if they say if they say they're full, they're full. I mean, it's an awful thing to hear. I know, but yeah, I've heard they, it, they, I've they heard they it many you, times. Like, before. We've got a place for you, and then you go, and then they say, "Sorry, we haven't got a place for you." That's a different. That's different than us going like on the space. I know, I know that, and he's under his. He's at the end of his tether, of course, and he he may have given up all hope, and he just feels absolutely <laughs> lost and well, alone. And that's why well, he couldn't go through he, the phone call. But um, yeah. he, he, he kind of needs to sort out the Mayo side of this, doesn't he? Really? Um, and where we are on that one at this stage, we don't know because they won't, they will not relay what they've said to, uh, what, what happened on that phone call. Andy hasn't got a clue. He doesn't know. You ask him, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And that's all you get from him, like, um, I say, we tried to ring him, like, well, I And is he a young, lad, is he a young lad, is he? He's at 30. Yeah. So you've had oh, no real yeah. conversation with him about anything. He doesn't really chat a whole lot. He doesn't, if you get five words out of him, that's, that'll be a maximum. So then on, let's have a thing now, what day is today, Wednesday? On Monday, me and, the, me and the, one of the girls from, what's it called? Uh, Collie went into the city and we said, right, we're going to try and, um, we're going to try something different. We're going to try and get into a cafe. And we actually went in and we took him to the Haven. Now it took us ages to get him there, but we took him to the Haven cafe. I don't know if you know the Haven there. No. It'll be near the Mercy on the Keys. Okay. So anyway, so the Haven cafe, and it's, I think it's a cafe that like the, the homeless people actually do use kind of thing. And we took him in there and we met the manager, Billy, who, um, who was very good with us. And we spent three hours with him having, um, initially he had this cold coffee with him, they got him some, uh, uh, and no, I'm fine with this, like, so we just had a cup of coffee and we were having a conversation, we're trying to involve him in it, and then after about half an hour, he says, um, can I have a coffee? And no problem, like, I'll have an Americano. Uh, and one of the things I did notice, like, um, he's fairly good with money, Neil, um, because, like, you know, halfway through his coffee, he just said, I'm going to get up now and I'm going to pay for my coffee. You know, he got up and he said, I'm going to pay for my coffee, and yeah. which is brilliant, like, yeah. so he went in and he, he pays for his own coffee, like, and then he got himself another coffee. Uh, but then at this stage, I actually said to Billy, who's the manager of this haven, is there any, is there any menus? He said, well, we don't actually have a menu, like, but we've got a, like, you know, the, the handout menus, but we've got a menu on the board. So that's fine, like, you know, so I took, I went in and pictured the menu and the call come out, like, and I just read out the menu and uh, he, he took it all in, did uh, this handy and then, uh, five minutes after I've, I've read it, I'll have an egg, I'll have a scramble egg on toast. He said, this is, this is massive progress, Neil. This is absolutely superb. Like, we're thinking, get in there. So, and he got himself some, some, so he's also like, you know, now we actually pay for that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll give you, we'll, we'll buy that for you. Like, you can get it the next time if you want, like, you know, but no, uh, but yeah, you've, take, like, you've no, taken, you've taken his plate very personally, haven't you? Do you do that with all of the people that you help? 
we're, 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 out, we're going six weeks, so yeah. uh, no, this is the first time. Have you time come across others besides Andy in a similar situation? He's probably the worst case in the four years I've actually encountered, Neil, and he's definitely the only... But surely the you've come against, up against others in tents. Uh, when you tent, yeah, but certainly not not anybody who wasn't able to, you know, converse or anything like that. Like most of them can talk. Like yeah, they might be down, they might be depressed, but this lad is he's autistic. He's <laughs> not like okay. Well, you get, again, I, I remind you, you'd like we we would use terms like um, sorry, yeah, uh, and, uh, living and, with and autism or an intellectual disability. Yeah, yeah, an intellectual disability, mental health issues, like yeah. whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. He, that's where he is, uh, and that's that's so um, yeah. We have took it personally. The, well, the four of us have like, and know, he's still in the tent, just awesome, pitched yeah. in a tent on Parnell Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly where he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two anyway. So this is the best bit. Now two of them, uh, two of the ladies went down. You see, we got this message on um, on our on our page there. Like we've got um, I don't know what's that page there. And we got this message. Somebody is being dragged from the river. Uh, and anyway, it was followed up on this place was being dragged from the river. They were being dragged from the river on um, the keys. There near the Clayton Hotel, whatever they call it, Albert's Keys is it? Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so, so obviously, you know, I hope it's not our lad, like you know, I hope it's not Andy. So two of them went in just to check on him, like so. They're only in Balancholic, like so it's not too bad. So they went in to check on him, and they said uh, they actually just got on about his eating and him not eating properly, like he's not eating the fruit that we're giving. And he actually, they actually said they got a laugh from him, like you know, and he was laughing his head off, like which is absolutely massive as far as we're concerned. Because and what would you like to see happen project. with him? Would you like him to stay? Would you like him to go back to Mayo? Is his family in Mayo? Surely be to God. Uh, so, so this is where it gets a little bit, um, a little bit dicey. Um, we're not one hundred percent sure, and this is only going off reports that we've actually got, but. It looks like he may have burnt the family house down when he was 21. Right. Uh, if it was accidental or if he'd done it on purpose, we... Okay, well, I won't go into any further details regarding the family life then. So you're saying yeah, that maybe there mightn't, yeah. be, uh, there mightn't be any reason for him to go back to Mayo. Yeah. But we actually, when we do ask him about the family, I don't have any siblings, I don't have a mum. Okay, so what's going to happen? What's going to happen next? So what we would like to do maybe is to try and get him settled in court where he's, got, he's living in some kind of... Um, like assisted place so people can keep an eye on him because he definitely can't look after himself like as far as we're concerned um, uh, what's he called there uh, hygienically he doesn't have a clue uh, money wise he seems to be alright so just getting somebody who's got experience at working with people like you know um, Andy who can help him like you know because living in a tent on, on the keys or else on the in the middle of the city outside gotcha. the bus station it's okay. just not an option ok ok alright uh, so we want to move him on from there kind of thing uh, and help him to move on from there ok well let, let's see if we can make some calls when we get off the air um because I can't really give it a whole lot more time now, but certainly he he does need help because he's living with issues that need help. He you know he's he's limited in that regard. Um, but it's very very sad though, isn't it? I mean, like, oh, I'm, well, I'm actually it, heading into the city now. I'm I mean, it just doesn't come now. like doesn't really come as a shock to me anymore when I hear of homelessness in the city or people living in doorways or living in a tent on the on Parnell Place because it's it's just become so no. normalised, you know. I can appreciate that, but somebody who's vulnerable as this lad, this is, okay, you know, and I'm doing it before you. This to me, it actually, it actually hit a new law as far as I'm concerned. Like you know, and uh, and I, I do, I do the walkabouts the whole time. I don't 
um, be, and like, you know, making the teas. I do the walkabouts the whole time, and that's all we do anyway now. Uh, and he's the most vulnerable person I've met in the four years, Neil. And gotcha. That's the, that's the, gotcha. That's and and that's the reason for this phone call. This is a very vulnerable young man. Um, not not that the others there, aren't right? vulnerable, yeah. but he ha- he comes with his own challenges. All he right. With, and, and in fact, in fact, like, you know, the vulnerable people who are out there, they've actually come on board with us, and they are okay. helping him and helping us, helping, like, you know. Oh, oh listen, the volunteer services on Leaside are fantastic. Unfortunately, it's always down to them to carry the can and do the heavy listing, lifting, but right. but that's the way it is. Um, is there any more that I can do for you right now? Um, well, <laughs> this is a begging thing, really. Uh, we, we all went to charity, so we can't accept cash at all, and we won't accept tra- cash until we get to charity status, which we have applied for. But if we could have maybe um, one outlet there providing these tips on the Thursday night, we provide the curries and we provide everything like that, but it'd be nice if we may- maybe had like maybe six or eight bags of chips to go with these kind of things so we can give them to our homeless friends like oh, that would be absolutely brilliant and, that, and that's that's me begging ball that's all I'm going to bet alright ok well listen I'd that. say like boring, it's that, a... boring that just get, the, just get this out to the, the the, the people who might be able to help him and that would be absolutely super okay okay we'll have we'll have we'll have a sit down at 12 o'clock and see what the best way to approach this is um it's so little to ask for half a dozen bags of chips on a thursday night it's sad when you ask for something like that well, but you know that's all that's actually all we need we do all what we, we provide a lot to ourselves like all right and, uh, okay. And we, okay and we do do it voluntarily like so we all don't right. mind that much we'll that. chat again john okay hang in there we'll chat thanks again thanks for taking the call Not anyway and thanks to brenda also all right neil cheers take care for now john john martin by phone back after the break if you have thoughts on that text 0868104106 if you have a story to share email neil at redfm.ie the neil prendival show on cork's red fm our phone lines remain open after midday 1850 104 106 all right lines open at 1850104106 i just was just talking and thinking there about the six bags of chips that they need such a small little thing to ask but to those that would love a bag of chips it would be like gold or manna from heaven incidentally Zico is closing after 40 years in business. Uh, Derry O'Callan and his wife Veronica at Zico's for 40 years. Um, they call it Zico's Pizza, but it was a lot more than just a pizza shop. It also was a fully fledged chipper. Apparently, I was reading in the Echo this morning that he got the name Zico's from the Brazilian footballer. <laughs> As in Zico the footballer. But uh, it's up on High Street. Um, and it's like, I, I can even remember before Zico, there was a chipper there called the high tide, um, and it was a fabulous spot. We'd often go in there for uh, for chips and peas after swimming in Eglantine baths. But I loved Zico Pizza down through the years. It's been a while now since I had one of them. But while everybody over the years would, was always going on about this was long before the huge variety of pizza we have now. People would be lauding and applauding all the different pizzas in Cork, and I would say, "Well, have you ever had a takeout from Zico's Pizza?" Because a lot of the pizzas are so flat and there was nothing on them. Zico was kind of like a deep pan pizza, if I remember correctly. It's just that there was a lot going on in the pizza and I loved that about it. And it's saddened to hear, but um, he's, he's, uh, he's deciding to hang up, hang up the apron, Dario Callan, because he wants to spend more time enjoying family and friends in retirement. And there was a business that gave so much that we never knew about down through the years to charities, organizations, the local community. And the Echo reminds us this morning that during the long-running Vita Cortex sit-in, which began in December 2011 and continued for five months, the sit-in, Zico's Pizzas fed the workers every night free of charge. <laughs> Just an incredible thing. Every single night... I'd say the lads came out a little heavier than when they went in. But boy, talk about being spoiled. Fed them for five months. 
So sorry to see you closing, Derry and Veronica, but the best of luck on the new chapter of your life. And from one chipper to another, uh, the great Barty in Balafihan. Barty! Hang on a second. Did I, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I just got cut off there. But I, if, I, if, I know, if I know Barty, he's got something to offer because he's another guy who's out there helping the community and always wanting to be involved. So I'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. I think he was on the phone in the car and may have got cut off. So just before I do, uh, hoping I've got time to do it, just before I do, Charlie, good morning. How are you, Neil? On the robotic trees. Under, under robotic trees, yeah. Neil, I worked with the council for nine years and that... Councils get allocated so much money a year to spend and if they don't have it spent by the end of September as far as I know that they won't get the same money again next year. And different government departments are the same. If they don't spend their allocation and they send it back they're deducted that amount next year. That's it. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So then they spend money stupidly which I saw for nine years. And And are you in a position to say what area of the council you worked in or anything like that? I worked in Tipperary County Council. Right. But um, going back to the lockdown when people were crying out for toilets in the city centre of Cork and there was no place to go to the toilet, why didn't they spend this 350000 on a toilet that there's one in care in County Tipperary that people pay 50 cents to get into it. They're cleaned every time somebody comes out. And We had one of them and people were using them to shoot up. They were full of needles and yeah. junk and blood and syringes and sponges and Cotton wool and all sorts of muck. People were. Yeah, well, it, it, it'd be the money would be better well spent on something else than. We had uh, you, you. You might be from Tipperary, are you? Yeah, well, I we am. we used to have public toilets in in Cork City. They weren't the greatest in the world, but instead of making them better, they just got rid of them. They were on the keys. Yeah, well, you have to see the ones in care now. There, the reason why they put them in care was for the tourists coming into the castle. But they're they're absolutely first class toilets and people respect them and they're, they're monitored they couldn't spend the three, they couldn't spend this 350 because it came from a roads and traffic budget nationally alright you know right. that's the yeah, problem so then they had to spend it because they get it again next year but anyway Neil going back to it you were saying that how long will this last I, if it's there up to next spring it'll be grand but the birds will eat all the moths because Birds use moss to build up. Mm, again, without wanting to graduate, the moss is inside the unit. Birds isn't, possibly yeah, can birds, sure, birds will go in there and take it, and there'll be people throwing cans in there and everything. Did like you see? Like yeah, oh, well, many people are saying that it will just be vandalized. People will be climbing yeah, it and it'll be wrecked in no day. There's five of them, they'll be wrecked in no time. Just incident, did you feel see a lot of waste working within the council? Yeah, a lot of waste. A lot of waste. We get busy. We get busy at the start of the year, and then come the end of the year, there's not there's nothing to be done because there's no money. They spent all the money, but if they do have any money left over, they have to spend it to get the same amount for the next year. Okay. Okay. And the councillors, the councillors in Cork, have a meeting every Tuesday night, as far as I know. They should be. Wonder. They should have been um, notified about this spending of three hundred and fifty thousand, and was it worthwhile spending it? Because it's taxpayers' money, like you know. So like. We voted these lads in to to go in and have this meeting every Tuesday night, and they should have been notified from the county manager or the. Town. On Monday nights they have council meeting, but they're telling On me it Monday wasn't night. it wasn't discussed. And um, did you decide to go down another career path instead? Then was it? Yeah, I left. I was I was in the horticultural part of it in 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 um in the Tipperary County Council, which going back thirty years ago, 
and there was a man, the head gardener there was, he always wanted every house in the town and in the country a tree. He, he, we'd give him a tree or we'd plant a tree in their house for the environment. But there's none of that going on now. No, it seems to be too much trouble to be dealing with tea, trees. Although the City Council have come back to say that they're planting something like 1,100 trees around the place this yeah, year. They, so they say one tree will give out um, 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 will give out um, carbon dioxide or whatever to tree people or something. You know, no, it it, it, it it takes in carbon dioxide. Oh, it takes in carbon dioxide. Out. Yeah, oxygen. Out, yeah. Okay. All right. Oxygen, okay. Sorry, Let me get yeah, one more call yeah. on the air. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. Barty, I just lost you there because it saves mobile on the car, but morning to you. Good morning. Uh, just, just, just as a by the way, sad news that um, Derry and Veronica are closing Zico's. Actually, look, it's another landmark shop closing, I suppose. I mean, Derry served his time. He's trying to hang up the old spade, I suppose. Oh, it's hard work and it's long hours and he well deserves. I just think we should all say best of luck to him and wish him the best. Although your your pizzas are handy enough as well. I've had a few of those. Yeah, they're not bad. Uh, We just uh, sat away all the time. Sure, we're steady enough for the old pizza trade and the old... Actually, look, we're, we're, we're a while at it. But You're a while at it. Derry, Derry, Derry was always there for the old Sunday night. If you ran over an old bag of cheese or a case of sauce, <laughs> you'd be passing it over and back. You never never left each other down. So I would like to wish Derry all the best going forward and hope himself and the missus enjoy your retirement. Well said, Barty, and so say all of us. 40 years yeah. of Zico. What will we yeah. do without it? Anyway, you were yeah. listening to, to John Martin there, the volunteer with the... Don't give up volunteer homeless group, and they're looking for bags of chips. The misfortune. No problem. Whenever he wants them or whatever quantity he wants, just pass down my number. We look after him with a half and a half, and we get one of our drivers there to drop him to wherever he's at. There's no problem. I, I think it's Thursday night, John. Is it? It is Thursday night, Neil. Yeah. Well, there you go. The one and only Barty from Barty's Chip and Valafihan not only will provide you with whatever you want, but will have them delivered to you as well. Oh, it's an absolute star bar. Can I say a massive thank you from all of us at the group? Not you know, that will help us so, so much, and I really, really mean that, and I appreciate it so much. He's always there. He's no always problem. there when we're looking for him. Oh, no. We'll see you there, and so we can uh, tie up together there. There's no hassle. All right, John. Well, they send me on the mobile number there. So you got it, John. All right. Easier. Okay, well done. Thanks a lot, Neil. Thanks a lot, Barty. Barty, yeah, thanks so much. While you're, in the giving, while you're in the giving and the yeah. generous mood, you don't have any hurling tickets, do you? <laughs> no, I'm afraid that I'm, I wouldn't be a big fan, and it would be selfish of me to hold on to him if I had him because I wouldn't, you know. Even don't, though I'd love watching it, but I, I think there's other people would deserve him more, right. you know. Well, don't feel as if I I shouldn't be asking you. I'm asking everybody, so I'm not just hitting you. I'm hitting everyone. All right. <laughs> No, Cheers, no, no. take care Barty and they're not for me incidentally I won't be going I just want a couple of tickets to give away on the air Jordan Bracken our good old buddy of this programme from Cork Chauffeurs Limited has given me an S-class Merc on the day of the final of the hurling right an S-class Merc which will pick you up Cork Chauffeurs Limited will pick you up wherever you are take you and whomever maybe two, certainly two of you maybe three with champagne or wine if that's your thing on board in the chauffeur driven Merc to the match at Croke Park and back again so I think that's a great initiative and a great prize from a great car company so I just want to kind of add a little bit of spice to it and throw in a couple of hurling tickets as well so that's why I'm asking everybody anyone for the last few tickets now have a good day I'll see you tomorrow Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.